What you listening to, son? Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Talking to the Hill, where our kisses are like fruit pies. I'm your host, the sugar cube in your couch cushions, Bob Mackey, and this is the Talking Simpsons Network's chronological exploration of King of the Hill, who is here with me today, as always. It's Henry Gilbert, also known as Hank Taxpayer. (laughs) And this month's episode is, and they call it Bobby Love. You have to respect my needs, too. This episode originally aired on September 22nd, 1998. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. This is Hank Hill with the news. Bobby! Will and Grace debuts on NBC. Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing tops the Billboard charts. And Rush Hour debuts at the top of the box office. These are all things I'm mostly disconnected from, except I was an in-theaters Armageddon viewer. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, it was. that shows you too... That was a summer movie, and here in September, still topping the charts. That that is an enduring hit for Aerosmith. There, yeah, it's inescapable. <laughs> even even now, you hear you hear it everywhere. I think it it could be the most uh, long lasting Aerosmith song because it's just so schmaltzy. There's nothing like racy in it or anything. <laughs> it's not like most of their songs, which are borderline comedy songs about like uh, oral sex or yes. or something. Yeah, or sex in an elevator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, well, no, that's that's the oral sex one I was thinking about, oh, which uh, loving oh, it up yeah. while you're going down. I get it now, <laughs> though. Of course pink it was love at first sight i mean i suppose oral sex is in there too but i i would think it's a general love of a vagina what or- if pink just happens to be your favorite color with no <laughs> sexual connotations attached uh yeah but i don't want to miss a thing none of that and it's because they didn't write it it's it's written by the um the woman who fronted four non-blondes uh who, who wrote that song too that oh and i say hey what's going on yeah i, I had no idea i, I wish she was singing this <laughs> and you you also think it's about it must be written by them because it's sort of like him singing it to his daughter in the movie because the song is over uh, Bruce Willis saying goodbye to his daughter, who's played by Liv Tyler, the daughter of Steven Tyler. But uh, <laughs> I got to say one more thing. Uh, nauseating love scene in that movie. Uh, the addition of food and sex makes me want to vomit. And like Ben Affleck playing the animal cracker circus party on uh, Liv Tyler's belly. <laughs> it, it grosses me out. Not the get, sexiest get, scene. Get food away from there. Come on. What's going on here? Uh, I, I also remember that film. There's a, a joke of comparing uh, drilling to a doctor checking your prostate uh, uh-huh. as well. And of course, though, I don't want to say too many nice things about Steven Tyler as well, because there's already new there's new lawsuit against him out there oh. based on based on something uh, that was already public knowledge in a book. But thanks to new laws that are getting rid of statutes of limitations on um, sexual crimes. Uh, I think uh, Steven Tyler's got some uh, new accusations or old accusations now going into the courts, I think. So, yeah. Well, he just got out of rehab. Maybe he'll be back in there. <laughs> uh, and You can't uh, arrest me. I'm in treatment. <laughs> I need help. Okay. Uh, Will and Grace. Yes. I want to go over this because I only know about Will and Grace through uh, Gayest Episode Ever. Mm. I don't think they like the show. I know it's important, but listening to the clips of the show upsets me because it's as if they flooded the studio audience with Joker gas. 
Yes. They are exploding at everything. Yes. Yeah. It's I, crazy. I forget. <laughs> I forgot sitcoms used to be like this. You know, I haven't listened to every one. Well, well, you know, it's the must-see TV era. They knew they're like, oh, we got to goose these people as, as hard as possible, the, the, the audience. But yeah, our pals on Gayest Episode Ever, I, I think I've not listened to every single Will and Grace one they've done. I definitely like their one about the episode of a newly coming out guy and them trying to teach gay culture to the to the new guy and our friends uh, uh drew and glenn pointing out the like oh this is a very very narrow view on what being gay is like written by rich gays who are like well you have to be skinny you have to be young you have to uh, definitely be white oh absolutely like, yeah it's but it was very advanced for its time even though yes one of the rules with will and grace was will never had a boyfriend until like late in the series uh it was a very long time before a man could kiss a man on the show and uh, also i mean you had Sean Hayes on the show who felt he had to be in the closet during it, even though he is playing a very uh, broad gay character. Some it. would say yeah. cartoonishly gay. Yeah. Though, yeah, I mean, when uh, Glenn and Drew did that episode on Gay Episode Ever about the stereotypes, I was like, oh, yeah, this reminded me that I am not this type of gay man that, that Will and Grace says is the right type of gay man to be. And even more so makes me go, like, man, fuck this show, especially for teaching uh bad lessons to people but i guess it's important or blah 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 we have more gay shows now yeah i mean meanwhile rush hour i was there in the theaters for that one uh because i was jackie chan pilled uh the by the rumble in the bronx coming out which should really be called rumble in vancouver it's true (laughs) i saw i saw the post rumble locations (laughs) that's so cool i next time i'm in vancouver i'm gonna have to go on a sightseeing tour of it i will admit that i'm only just watching jackie chan movies for the first time in my uh late 30s early 40s and i've seen two but i like both of them and they uh, were police story and rumble in the bronx and i will see more so i I missed i missed jackie chan entirely you're starting on a real high there Bob. yes yeah yeah i think uh the best those are two of the best if i could direct you towards three more it would be both drunken masters and super cop and then everything else after that is gravy including rush hour which is like uh it is his arrival in america gave jackie chan more success in the u.s than he ever had before probably the richest he's ever been but it also it's like he's starting to get old he can't do his own stunts as much anymore and also insurance companies in america are like wait you can't do the incredibly illegal things you did when filming in hong kong yeah by the time we got jackie chan he was in his 40s mm, yeah it was it was too late but the well not too late he was actually very successful but uh the experience of seeing it in my jacksonville florida suburban theater was really neat because i was the white nerd of Hong Kong action films, which I got into them in the same way I got into anime, you know? So I was this white nerd with my mom and brother. And then the audience then was also a lot of black people and a lot of Asian people. And I was Mm. like, wow, I think I am in the minority in this audience. And, but everybody loved it. It was a real uniting thing. Uh, rush hour. Now, Uh, now there are three of them. Yeah. You know, there's always rumors of a fourth though. They can only pay Chris Tucker so much. Uh, he's, he doesn't want to do anything. (laughs) I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. Though, you know what? If he's given too much downtime, he goes on trips with some unsavory characters. Yeah. Some, he's on some logs. (laughs) Yeah. He's on, uh, I mean, he was the, it's the craziest thing. Okay. So this was one of like the most famous Epstein flight trips ever. It's him 
Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Clinton, Kevin Spacey, and and Chris Tucker. Whenever I hear Chris Tucker's name, I think of that uh, that jet and yes. like what the conversations that were happening, what was being served. Was Bill Clinton talking to Kevin Spacey? What's going uh, on? But of course, there's some culture clash stuff in the movie that uh, probably you know feels less sensitive now. Of uh, I well, like Jackie Chan's character in the movie thinks he has an N word pass, and uh, comedy ensues. Yes, uh, I heard that you never touch a black man's radio yes there's also that and it's fun to hear jackie sing war what is it good for and i mean it's still it's uh you know again watch those other three i said bob and then maybe we'll watch that unless unless like me you want to see jackie chan naked then see jackie chan's first strike because he does he sees his butt in that one i think i'll eventually see him naked yeah, yeah. Uh, this... actually you'll see his butt he gets naked in more than a few films hmm. he's not as nude as jean-claude van damme gets but close to it no uh, nude splits for jackie chan <laughs> i don't think that's not gonna happen no i don't think so uh this episode though and they call it bobby love it's a historic king of the hill episode because it is the sole episode to win the primetime Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program, and The Simpsons robbed it for a number of years. Man, never again never did it again. do it. That's, that is nuts. I guess, is it all... I guess it was probably always Simpsons taking it, or maybe Family Guy once. Maybe. Simpsons, South Park. Oh, uh, South Park. Yeah, yeah, like, I feel like King of the Hill, once they got their Emmy... They were basically ignored. Uh, you couldn't ignore the success at this point, but after that, they were like, the Academy was probably like, well, it's that show about rednecks, who cares? Now, now South Park, that's incisive commentary on the politics. But yeah, this is a really good episode. There are better ones, but this is a fine episode to win the Emmy, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did see it beat Viva Ned Flanders in a big piece of garbage, which yes. I think that uh, is deserving. This is better than those two episodes. Yeah, I don't know why Futurama nominated a big piece of garbage because you're not going to win over the elderly academy with your stories of a rotting garbage ball and the smelloscope and yeah the other episodes it beat were viva ned flanders i don't know why they nominated that one the raunchy road trip with ned flanders and homer uh yeah i guess maybe they thought uh, the academy was a lot of moody blues fans perhaps could be uh the pjs was nominated also i have the other nominees here uh, the pjs episode he's gotta have it and the description is uh, Thurgood's libido increases when he takes a prescription drug to stabilize his blood pressure. So mm. they nominated a Viagra joke. What a weird one. Yeah. And I've, yeah, I, I, I only remember one episode of PJ's I ever watched, which is where they get a very good ju- uh, door for their place and mm. everybody prizes it. But that's the only one I remember. And uh, other things that were nominated. Well, the other thing that was nominated was the Powerpuff Girls. It was a split episode uh, pair, uh, Bubble Vicious and the Bear Facts. Bubble Vicious is where Bubbles uh, tries to be hardcore. Oh, yeah, that was a good one, I remember. That's a good one. And the Bear Facts, here's the description, uh, quote, After Mojo Jojo kidnaps and blindfolds him, and after the girls save him, the mayor has to rely on the girls' very different individual accounts of the crime to figure out exactly what happened, uh, which is basically the Rashomon. Okay, yeah. that makes that makes sense. Well, you know, is a strong showing there, but the... I I mean I'm glad this uh, King of the Hill he's got to win it once at least for this yeah. yes uh, but again it was robbed every other year was nominated really too bad yeah they and they that's like a decade of robberies <laughs> like not one win another I guess like you talked about last episode. That Tuesday move really did kill its cultural impact, yeah, too. It, it's yeah. shocking it went on for another decade and yeah. another entire decade. Uh, so before we start, one brief programming note. So next month, we are going to skip Peggy's Headache because we already covered it five years ago for What a Cartoon. 
because we are covering these one month at a time, I don't want to spin our wheels with something we've already done. So uh, in this case, we'll just provide a link for you to check out that old episode in our archives. And I, I stand by that episode. I think it's very good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then we're going straight to pregnant pause next right. month then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so in case you're wondering, and I'm sure we'll get questions about it from now until the end of time, uh, <laughs> it's going to be on the What a Cartoon feed, but there will be a link to it in the pregnant pause uh, episode description for you to check out. And, and it's on the Patreon too. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to, you got to search through the Patreon archives because like Bob said, five years ago, we, we've been doing this a while now, just even on Patreon, let alone. We really have. Uh, you know, one thing I did, I learned because this is the first ep- uh, production episode of season three, that this is like the first episode of a new showrunner, like that apparently Rich Appel took over with really? this episode for, for three seasons. I didn't know this until... I had to double check this in the New York in the sorry the Chicago Tribune archives because this was mentioned on a uh, in the trivia section for this episode on the official wiki page for the show. But yeah, Rich Appel took over uh, showrunning King of the Hill, and in 1998, Greg Daniels said this: "It was essential that Rich was a good writer who could deal with people who could help manage the business in the room. But equally important was the fact that he was someone I could trust who had a similar sense of taste and values. So, okay, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I forgot he was a big part of the show. And it doesn't make sense that after making uh, this hit show for two seasons, Mike Judge is shopping around other things. That's <laughs> how he makes office space. And Greg Daniels is doing other things as well. I'm not quite sure what he was trying to sell, but I guess it didn't take until The Office. Yeah, I mean, I, I would bet both just had overall production deals that mean you can't do day-to-day stuff and i i mean that makes the propane boom even bigger because it really is kind of the finale of an era of king of the hill now that we we look back on it because this is a different guy taking over and yeah richard pell who we had was a regular writer for the simpsons up until this point he left simpsons for this and again equally shocking was when i looked into it like so he does this for i believe three years three seasons leaves to show run the bernie mac show after that uh and then he'd go on to we talked about him in american dad uh and he has apparently been the showrunner of the family guy for the last four no sorry uh six years okay i'm seeing 10 10 years holy crap uh 2013 to present that's crazy but he's had several different roles so maybe he's only been showrunner for the past like five or six years whatever you said earlier yeah uh the thing i saw said 2017 was his first season as showrunner but it's just crazy like yeah he's been at the mcfarland factory for a very long time showrunning current day family guy i didn't this was this eye-opening realization like we've we've talked about richard pell before but I didn't realize just how powerful he was in the animation world. And how yeah. how uh, varied his writing can be because he wrote Mother Simpson and Bart on the Road and a bunch of other great episodes. He worked on King of the Hill and then he does like the Joke Factory Family Guy style <laughs> comedy as well. Uh, he named Mona Simpson after his then wife. Yes. Uh, yeah. they, they weren't so happy together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you know what? He wrote a cartoon where Mona leaves his, uh, his <laughs> her husband. He should have seen this coming. He was sitting in the chair watching uh, what, Johnny Unitas? <laughs> yes. He was commenting on how cool Johnny Unitas was, and then she was gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this episode, though, I want to get into it uh, because, unfortunately, this reminds me of a lot of sad personal anecdotes where 
Uh, I was not emotionally mature. I had a lot of learning to do. And you learn a lot through pain and sadness. And we all experience this. And I wish I had seen this episode before I was broken up with for the first time. I would not have acted like Bobby did. Oh, man. Yeah. And we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it when we get there. But this is a very observational episode, both about uh, being the funny kid who thinks a girl likes you, but she actually just thinks you're funny to be around and maybe is kind of messing with you a bit. And it's also a very accurate portrayal of uh, what your first breakup, maybe and maybe your second breakup is like. <laughs> and yeah, multiple breakups if you're not, if you don't deal with it correctly. Yes. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I figured you might feel a little more of this than me, though I, I mean, I had first crushes too on people older than me, though not uh, a girl like Marie. But I mean, yeah, I definitely did go through moments. The most familiar thing that starts out the episode to me is realizing that you might have made new friends in like middle school, but it's actually people who ask you to do a voice that is them laughing at you. Yes. And somebody has to tell somebody did to tell me later. No, they're laughing at you. They they think it's they think it's funny you do a bad Australian accent. They don't think you do a good Australian accent. Unrelated to <laughs> even being in love or having a crush, sometimes you're the kid who does bits, but mm. the bits you think are funny. It's people saying you're stupid for doing those. Do them again. <laughs> they're all laughing at you behind your back. Yeah. And uh, yet uh, there were some moments in this episode that stung with realization. Uh, not not in the first kiss kind of way, but just the like, oh, I guess I did have friends who weren't actually my friends who were just making fun of me. But man, I I, I wish I do feel like the only people who are going to make an oral history of this damn series is us. Like, because there's no information. There's this. What a bare bones DVD set. It pisses me off. Two sided DVDs. You know, they didn't care. So cheap. Like that shows they didn't even want to pay for dual layer encoding. Like that's how cheap Fox got with these. Like, look, I mean, uh, you know, if, if judge and Daniels don't have the will to make it happen, then it doesn't happen. But yeah, no, I, I, I think you had mentioned before to me, Bob, that yeah, this episode reminds you of a few things. Yeah. We're going to dredge them up like the corpses. They are. Uh, This episode opens though. We're at Tom Landry middle school. Everyone's finally into their respective classes. Bobby is late. He's panting. He's grunting. And he's stopped by a very tall hall monitor girl who asked for his hall pass. And I like uh, this observation in, in that Bobby, we don't know it yet, but he's two years younger than Marie. But she's already like gigantic because yes. it's the thing where girls have their growth spurt first. Yeah. You know, it's I love this character design in general that the that really captures something about middle school that what makes middle school such like a minefield for your emotions is that you don't know who's going to mature before other people do. So you might look a certain way. And then somebody who's even in the same homeroom as you looks like an adult almost maybe. And yeah, those that you, I remember at the time thinking like, man, that's so cool. They look so much older than me, but especially for girls who maybe mature first, they, I bet it has some downsides in how people treat them. If only a woman were here. (laughs) Yeah, too bad. Well, this is a very male viewpoint on this episode, too. It really is. I guess guess my school experience was different in that I went to a private school, uh, like the little Lord Fauntleroy I am. Not really, (laughs) just like all the other schools were bad, so I had to go to private school. And I was with the same people in the same private school from uh, fourth grade to eighth grade. And a lot of those people were in the same school from kindergarten to eighth grade. So my experience is like, oh, we're all friends. Friends, we're all going to hang out together. High school changes everything. Mm, like man, I was so many people's uh, enemy at that point. Oh, that's like, sucks. oh, we found cooler people went to a different school. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Man. You know, I 
my cycle was I moved to Florida late in elementary school. Then I go to, so I, I have like fifth and sixth grade friends. Sorry, fourth, fifth, sixth grade friends. Then I go to middle school, but my districting on my street is weird. Where like I go to a different middle school than most of the people I knew in elementary school. Mm. Then after three years of that, I go back to the high school where all my elementary school friends were, but we are completely different people. Like everything has been reset. They're all uh, like parallel uh, universe versions of the people you used to know. Exactly. Yeah. It's. Uh, but yeah. It, uh, of course, uh, we were both. Uh, <laughs> I think even less popular than Bobby in this episode. I think. But I. I love that Bobby. This like little meat cute. Yeah. Is him. He's a little funny, but he's not like. They know not to make him too funny because he can't be written like an actual like funny character. He shouldn't be Chandler. He should actually like mess up his clever joke while telling it to the cute girl. And he's not fully aware that like I'm a little hilarious guy. Like he's just his natural reaction to a situation like this is to joke his way out of it just because <laughs> yeah. of who he is. Yeah. And it. I think uh, many of the writers on the show probably had first moments of this of like oh my first positive interaction with the cute girl was i made her laugh oh exactly yeah. uh, very 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 uh telling that, that comedy writers wrote this episode uh let's hear both plots spring into action my name is ramon tavares i'm in mr powell's class ramon tavares why does your lunch bag say bobby hill because we can't spell ramon T what did i say <laughs> all right get going Ramon. Bobby Hill? Yeah. Oh, you're good. <laughs> yep. 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 Mm-hmm. They dumped it right where we stand. That's where we stand. Why would somebody leave a couch behind my house? I know how it got here. One of them firefighting planes scooped it up out of Lake Arlen. Man, you don't talk about them dang old urban legend with you, man. Man, you don't suck that like that fellow with that toothbrush up that man's bottom, man. That's the truth, too, man, happened to me. Oh, hey, look, treasure. Yeah, rubber band. Sugar cube. Mmm. Have a little pride, Bill. Mm. If we eat their garbage, we're not much better than they are. Probably had a coffee table. <laughs> oh, if this old couch could talk. Oh, okay. Two things hit me hearing Bill's thing. One, knowing what happens later, a cat peed on that sugar cube. Yes, yes. <laughs> or near it. Near it, yeah. And and second, when he says probably at a coffee table, I was like, oh, yeah, at the end of the episode, his coffee table you see in the post credits is like a. A cable spool turned up uh, uh, over, so it's he doesn't have a coffee table too. That's I think why the first time we're really seeing a lot of the inside of Bill's place. Yes, yeah, which we're gonna see a lot more in pretty pretty dresses. Yeah. yeah but. Okay, so this this toothbrush in the bottom thing. Mm -hmm. So Dale mentions the urban legend of uh, basically like. Uh, to put out a fire, an airplane scoops up a scuba diver with the water it collects, and that's an urban legend. But you pointed me to this other urban legend in which a couple is robbed. They're robbed of everything except their camera and like their toothbrushes or whatever, their toiletries. So they continue living their lives. They develop the film. They see on the film, the robber has put their toothbrushes up his butt. Yes. And that's yeah. uh, disputed, let's say. Disputed. <laughs> yeah. The the urban legend page for it on Snopes, which thank God when I searched urban legend toothbrush butt, that that was my first uh, result. I did not get any. Though I didn't check uh, images. On oh, that thank search. God. Yeah. But but. 
even the Snopes page admits that, like, yeah, this is actually kind of a racist one because the most of the stories are white couples go on a trip to a place like Jamaica or the Bahamas and the key part of the toothbrush thing is that it's black guys in the photos too who, who of course it is black men who robbed them in this bullshit urban legend as well but uh you know the race thing doesn't come into that in boom hours but I I was glad the Snopes page even was directed like yeah it's it's a racist urban legend too hmm. uh but yeah you know that scooped up urban legend thing i didn't know i never heard that one from anybody growing up but then like two years after this mo- this episode airs or three uh the magnolia film comes out which starts with that is, is that guy like paul, paul tompkins or Patton oswald okay i yeah, thought so yeah, a yeah. lot of like largo people are in that movie <laughs> yeah uh paul f tompkins got cut out of that movie uh he has listened to his album laboring under delusion he tells the whole story about it which uh, i'll just steal one joke from it that he says magnolia is a script as big as the phone book that stars every person in the phone book mm. <laughs> i haven't seen it since i was like 18 i saw it in theaters i remember liking it mm. i'd never heard an amy mann song before and that like blew my mind me too that soundtrack over and over again. The, was paul F. tompkins cut from there will be blood as well he is a blurry man he technically is in it he's uh if the, he's the first voice you hear Man, I think he's one of the first voices you hear in the movie because okay. it's a silent opening, the whole, you know, uh, thing of Daniel Day-Lewis, like, breaking his leg and finding oil and all that. And then there's a time cut to him in a meeting. And Paul F. Tompkins is, like, running the meeting. Right. Yeah. And, and I remember <laughs> him uh, talking about an imp- a line he improv Like, he just had to be arguing with people. And he says, uh, gentlemen, we lose nothing by losing our heads. <laughs> and he was embarrassed that he came up with that because it was pretty lame. I believe he says that Daniel Day-Lewis is the most intense person he's ever met in his life. I wouldn't want to be in a scene with him. Uh, let's talk about the guest star, though. Yes. Uh, what is her name? Sarah Michelle Geller. No, sorry. It's Galar. Oh, Galar. As, as said by that guy, Adventure Brothers, season one, the garage sale episode. Yard that, sale episode. Everyone says Geller. Everyone yeah. says Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> but that's her name. And guess what? She. We mentioned this in the last episode. Right now, she's in the third season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which ends up being King of the Hill's drag competition. I think they knew that. I think that's why she's on the show right now. Cute. That's yeah. cute. I like that. Man, that's uh, well, on season three. Buffy's really going to f them up. In uh, you, you mentioned that last week or last month. Yes, episode, they yeah. quickly evacuate King of the Hill from Tuesday <laughs> back to uh, Sunday. But they got her at a good time because the previous year she was just in Scream Two, and I know what you did last summer. And she's only in one movie in '98, and that's Small Soldiers, where she's a voice role. I think she was very busy with Buffy because they were doing 22 hour long episodes. Oh yeah, I mean that's her whole life then, isn't it? Yeah. No, I I loved her in both those movies, the Know What You Did and Scream Two. I, I watched the shit. I again, I could project so much of myself onto Kevin Williamson, uh, the gay screenwriter who went from being he was like if Quentin Tarantino was gay, so I could look up to a more specific guy hmm. to myself. What's he like, doing lately? Uh, man, I think he sold. I think he is definitely still selling shows. Okay, yeah. I I just heard about Dawson's Creek recently because Michelle Williams is uh, on her road to the Oscars. Maybe she's going to win it for the Fablemans. And she said she learned so much from acting from the uh, woman who played her grandmother on Dawson's Creek. And here's the crazy thing, Bob. So Michelle Williams played the love, a love interest for Dawson on Kevin Williams's Dawson's Creek. 
Kevin Williamson, a film nerd who loves Steven Spielberg, who wrote Dawson to be him, who loves Steven Spielberg, to now Michelle Williams is now playing Steven Spielberg's mom in a romantic clef about Steven Spielberg's life growing up as a guy who loved movies. I'm sure that's not lost on him. No, no, I think uh, I still need to see the Fablemans. It's, it's the good. one. It's the one movie I didn't see uh, over the holidays because there was like every theater playing Avatar. We had to go out of our way to like, where is the Fablemans? <laughs> where can we find this uh, uh, character drama? I had to. I had to this is I'll tell you all about I'll talk to the audience but I had to pay for it the full 20 bucks on Amazon uh, and watch it at my mom's place with motion smoothing on which is not the way to see that film I wish I'd have seen it in theaters but it was literally playing nowhere near where that my stinks. mom lived yeah that so. stinks but yeah uh, she doesn't do a lot of acting these days she was recently in the news because of the cancellation of uh, let's call him Joseph Whedon <laughs> that fucking ass. Joss is a cool name for cool guys well no it's not it's pretty lame but uh, he made the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer absolute hell to be on and she did not like working with him and there's lots of other things you can read about online yeah about he him. sucks I, i'm glad she is not defending him but yeah he seems like he thinks he'll make a comeback i don't know but yeah i the last thing i heard saw her in she's a voice in the masters of the universe revelations show that kevin hmm, smith right. did uh which is the kevin smithiest choice he could possibly make like he's like oh i he most women uh in action shows that kevin smith writes is just buffy so it was nice of him to just cast buffy yeah why not yeah she's available yeah and, and uh and her and freddie prince still together still happily married yes yeah. uh and he's not really acting anymore he's trying to start a pro wrestling league okay right well, now. him yeah. not acting is for the best <laughs> uh, just you know, he's you know he's a nepo baby yeah it's, uh, as as the term goes these days i guess when your dad dies tragically i could forgive it a little bit pretty much yeah i i do too yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh yeah outdoor couches that's the b plus lots uh i i think we were selling outdoor furniture at this point but one was just gifted to them via con at the uh just dumped in their yard what a great b story of like they in the alley there's a couch what do they do like there's yeah it's such a, a clever b story to start with for these uh low stakes characters and this reminds me like now that i live in a true city not the suburbs i just see furniture mattresses everywhere and the sidewalk on the streets and i remember walking somewhere maybe to get coffee maybe to do a recording but this guy he's dragging this couch down the sidewalk and he's like oh hey man can you help me and i was like uh sure because it was a small couch i could help him pick it up i didn't know where he was taking it and I was lifting it up and he's like, okay, just put it down over here. And it was just like in like a patch of grass. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's just like, oh, I'm leaving it here. I was like, I, I, I'm helping you dump a couch <laughs> in my neighborhood. Illegal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also the couch was wet. Ooh. Like it had been rained on or something. Mm, so I was like, get the fuck out of here. I, you know, yeah, there's, you can't just, well, you're not supposed to just leave a couch somewhere. I, I will admit I did that once when I newly moved here, Bob, uh, because so this was like 16 years ago. It was uh, we had rented a U-Haul for the day for our big move, me and my then roommate. And she and I found we were on a hunt for Craigslist free couches. We found one first and we just took it because it was like, well, it's open, but it was just the raw too big, smelled weird. And then when we got an offer for a second couch that same day, we just took that big couch out of our uh out of the u-haul and left it actually about three blocks from here just mm. on the corner near the uh high school it found <laughs> so, a good home right uh yeah I, <laughs> well and you've seen the uh, i've walked by couches where it's like 
oh, it's it's freshly out here. And then the next day, oh, the cushions are gone, probably taken by an unhoused person who wanted uh, soft cushions. To, and then you just see it's slow degradation until somebody finally uh, takes it away. Someone who respects Bob taxpayer. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Hank is on the phone with uh, someone from the city, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, he does your line, basically. My name, my name is Hank taxpayer. <laughs> and uh, he wants the couch removed because people stand in the alley. And it's a very Bob Newhart style joke in which we only hear Hank's side of the conversation because we hear Hank saying, um, what do we do? We talk. Well, that's not really your business, is it? Sports mostly, you know. <laughs> so the guy really wants to know like what they're talking like, about oh, in the come alley. On, man, what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. I I also love how them trying to get around the couch is destroying them. Like Dale acts like he cannot hear Hank across a couch length of of space. They, it's all yeah, it really is a comment about how much they are in their ruts in which they have to stand in the same locations. Not being able to do that. They can't even do it in front of the couch. <laughs> and they also have to stand in the same order or everything's off, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and the idea of sitting on the couch, we'll get to it, is uh, it could destroy everything. <laughs> it's it's a line they're scared to cross, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we cut to Tom Landry after the couch scene. Uh, Bobby is fumbling a book out of his locker. He's kicking it across the floor. He can't quite pick it up because he's very clumsy. And he kicks it past two girls who chuckle at his misfortune, which he turns into a bit. He's like, I'm kicking it down the hallway as a bit now. So, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that he that Bobby stumbles literally into this comedy bit by just being a klutz. And again, I think this says a lot about the comedy writer, the male comedy writers writing this, that you accidentally are funny in front of girls and he, girls laughing like you're just like. Oh, time to be funny as much as I can be, because girls are paying attention to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> They'll respect me then. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's... By making a fool out of myself. <laughs> uh, I, uh, and this, then, I mean, this leads to him busting out his Arizona material, yes, too. The, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which will turn into a, a, a tearful refrain later in the episode. You know, he's lucky he doesn't live in the cell phone era, because he'd be canceled for yes. that comedy then, man. Anti-Semitic. <laughs> you couldn't even do King of the Hill today. Uh. With the, actually, they you couldn't do some things at King of the Hill today. Yes, <laughs> yeah. uh, but let's let's not do those articles anymore. Let's yeah. not let's not say you couldn't do the Office today. Yeah, I just you know Mindy Kaling, it's it's fine. It's yes. fine. You I, got your Scooby Doo show. Yeah, we'll see if I. I feel like I got at least watch first episode of that uh, at least. I uh, I think she's buying it, so I feel like I have to. Watch, I I stand a bi or lesbian Velma. Mm. I I want that, but uh, but now I I guess from what I read, everybody's buying in it maybe i don't know mm. that's that's how it is today isn't it folks? just watch riverdale right yeah i'm sure that's a better option for your edgy reboots uh, you know i want jughead to be asexual he kisses girls in it mm. I'm, I'm not down for that he should be kissing burgers yes yeah. uh he uh bobby retreats to connie who seems annoyed by all of this and she's like what's so funny about that and bobby remarks it's a doll humor connie i don't even get some of it <laughs> that's good then he calls pulling up his pants high and talking in a jewish voice as adult comedy <laughs> It's uh, yeah. He just knows it's a funny voice, and he's not sure quite sure where it comes from. So yeah, we get to the scene you were mentioning earlier, Henry, where the guys are trying to like assemble in front of the couch. Dale has to go on the far other side, which is six feet away. But he pretends to not hear Hank. Yeah. Me and you just had a conversation a couch length apart. Yeah, and uh, it's very easy to hear each that other. That was like COVID for everybody. Yeah, one yeah. couch length. Uh, they're just doing personal spacing here. Yeah, <laughs> and they all like gradually succumb to the couch where where Bill sits first, being the laziest. <laughs> 
right. And he's just like tickles, like I'm drinking beer, I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm outside. So just like imagine, you can still drink beer outside, but you're sitting in on a couch. You know, in the previous episode. He was the guy to pull up a trash can to sit on. So I think Bill has long dreamed of sitting. Uh, in the, I would guess for Bill, standing in the alley is more physical exertion than he'd like to do. It's too yeah. much for this working man. He's got a, he's on his feet all day cutting hair. Uh, Dale succumbs to the couch. He just says, I'm going to take a five-minute break. And he sits down. He relaxes. Boomhauer tries to distract everyone with uh, like a sighting of a UFO. And then just uh, sits down and then uh, apologizes that Hank has to be the lucky pierre of the situation <laughs> referenced in three days of the condo lucky pair is the man in the middle of a threesome yeah it's uh, it's a dirty joke yeah. man yeah they really <laughs> like getting that dirty joke on the air <laughs> i'm shocked they yeah you're right i'm shocked they did it twice which yes you'd uh there is you're lucky pierre because you uh i guess because french guys are gay and they would love being in the middle of a of an a-frame let's say i uh here's here's a dirty a somewhat dirty thing <laughs> that happened over the holidays with my mom Uh-oh. well well it was there was some trivia game i was playing with my <laughs> with my family and one of the questions was like if you're cooking something rotisserie what do you place a chicken on and i was like huh the, oh spit and then i almost said because spit roasting me and then uh, i was like eh, nope stop stop right there but yeah that's how i i knew it from its sexual connotation you should use the chasing amy chinese finger trap analogy <laughs> instead uh well you see that yeah it you know that would work You've you've got holes on both ends, no matter no matter who your partner is. True. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say uh, that only works in a male male female threesome, but not so. I I'm wrong there. We've got at least two holes. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, it's turning into our porno episode. Yes, I'm sorry. we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Hank goes last, and he says if he doesn't like it, he's standing right back up. But he sits, he sips his beer, and they all sip their beers, and the couch has now won them over. <laughs> I love that it's there's no button joke on it. There's no like sweaty extra joke on it. It's just quiet satisfaction of them going like you know what this is everything we've ever dreamed of we're sitting on a couch drinking beer outside and after this scene we get another great scene where bobby gets a mysterious phone call hello hi can i speak to bobby please i'm sorry you have the wrong number who was it dad oh girl asking for someone named bobby oh hello hi is bobby held up there uh, hold on a second. Son, it's one of your friends playing a prank. <laughs> hey, Joseph. Bobby, it's Marie. Oh, hey. A bunch of us are going to hang out at the mall. Want to come? Well, I, I did have a prior engagement, but I can always tape it. <laughs> I do like the uneasy look on Bobby's face. Like, I, I was serious about this. Yeah, he's like, no, I, I really mean this. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can identify with Bobby. Back then, I would have canceled things for like, but this TV show is going to air. And it's not like I can watch it again unless I videotape it. You know, that's my only access to it. I but. think the first time I canceled plans to uh, play a video game is when I rented Chrono Trigger. Oh. But that's a good game to cancel your plans for. Oh, yeah. Take yeah. everything off the calendar. <laughs> the connections you would have made with that, with whatever friend you could have hung out with, not the same not equal to the friendships you would have made with Frog, Robo, and the rest. Exactly. Yeah. Those, they're my real friends. <laughs> uh, I love... It happens like eight times in the episode, but it's funny every time. Hank simply cannot believe a girl would like Bobby. Like yeah. It just, he just can't 
grasp it. It he's, makes no sense to him. He's got a very uh, quietly low opinion of his son. Yeah. And then later he asks, like, she's not on a cereal box or something, is she? Like Carrie <laughs> yeah. Strug. Exactly. Oh, you're right. That's why he says that, man. Just he, even when she directly asks for Bobby, he's like, well, no, a girl would not be calling for Bobby. That simply doesn't happen. <laughs> I also like that when he says one of your friends is playing a prank and Bobby just goes like, hey, Joseph, that, the only friend he has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I was more quiet about my interest around uh, girls because if they knew about my like weird isolated summers where just like uh, watch my Simpsons tapes, read some old mad magazines, maybe get like a nicey somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> the day is my oyster. Just like, but I won't talk to any human beings. Of course, <laughs> they would probably laugh at that. You know, this is bringing back a memory of a girl in class giving me one of these moments of when the this uh, this would be 1999 when the pokemon movie is coming out in theaters and of course uh we are sophomores in high school at this point and a girl asked me like the the most popular girl in the class turns and says like hey max you know about pokemon right what's this movie coming out and then i say everything i know about the movie and halfway through i'm like Oh, wait, I really shouldn't have said this much. Now, if everybody didn't already have a low opinion of me in this class, I'm now much lower now. It's hard to believe, but there was a period in which it was not cool to play video games. I remember uh, being like the gamer of my entire like graduating class. I didn't know anyone else. So everyone would come to me with video game questions and they would make fun of me. I remember sitting in class one time and some kid was like, hey, Bob, in Final Fantasy, how do you get the magic sword? And everyone laughed. I'm just like, (laughs) well, you don't know what you're talking about about uh, well, obviously it's not a magic sword the buster sword well, can be uh, i mean you can put magic inside of it yes sure. we're talking, talking about materia it's another yes, story yeah now that guy's probably in jail and look at me now <laughs> these are our jobs yeah i thinking back to my childhood i, I a podcaster was the only uh, destination yeah for, yeah for our lives yeah <laughs> i had to learn about tv shows so i could tell everyone about them later in life mm-hmm. uh there's a there's a fun montage it's kind of joke free it's just like kind of cute but it's a montage of all the guys working on the couch very meticulously working on it like it's a car basically just showing how like they're part of the couch cult at, the, <laughs> yeah. at this point they have to turn everything into a craftsman's project i think my favorite is them working under it like it's a car and it's up on struts and and dale of course can only offer boomhauer a drink he he is very useless otherwise as as we saw in the nascar episode too oh that's right that's right (laughs) uh so let's cut to bobby's outing at the mall i don't need anything with a head on it well i'm a vegetarian bobby i don't eat meat my dad says if god didn't want us to eat meat he wouldn't have invented steak sauce Your dad says that? Once. (laughs) Bobby, did you know that the average person consumes 500 chickens? That's enough chickens to feed a whole starving village. But they shouldn't eat them. (laughs) Because that's bad. I'll have the chopped salad, please. And I'll have the BLT, please. That has bacon, Bobby. Bacon doesn't have a head on it. Could you make that an LT, please? Night was fun, Bobby. My friends think you're a riot. I really was choking at the food court, but don't tell them that. (laughs) Hey, there's a couch in the alley. Sit down. You want a kiss? Well, I'll try anything once. I didn't think I'd like fruit pies, but then I tried one, and if your kiss is anything like a fruit pie, I'm sure I'll... 
<laughs> All right. See you around. Very observational uh, of uh, uh, not knowing where to put your hands when you're kissing because Bobby's like grope, like groping around in the air and like then like touching his chest, like because yeah. <laughs> you're also too afraid to touch the other person when you're when you first start kissing. If the kiss had lasted five more seconds, he might have had enough confidence to put his hand on her shoulder, one hand on her yeah, shoulder. Yeah, just but, just one yeah. hand. Uh, uh, I like that this is not making fun of vegetarians. I mean, it kind of is, but it also is showing that Bobby's imagination is so limited he cannot imagine a single meal without a meat item in it. <laughs> and a lot of Americans are the same way. Like when I became a vegetarian. People were acting like I was being ripped off by buying food without, like, you know, uh, chicken or beef in it. It's just like you're paying almost as much as me, but I'm getting meat. <laughs> the right thing to eat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know, I think they're trying to show that maybe she's doing it as like pro. I got to say, in Act Three, she's written meaner than she is in the Acts One and Two. Yeah. yeah. She seems very sympathetic uh, in the first act, two acts, I yeah. think. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't think this is typical king of the hill left punching at least in this scene because i think it is just saying like she has moral reasons for wanting to be a vegetarian but because she is an awkward teenager she's she's mature compared to bobby but she is an awkward teen she can't really vocalize what's so why she wants to be a vegetarian over over not being one yeah i mean also her uh imagination is limited too because it feels like she became vegetarian for ethical reasons uh which is fine but she'd not really explore like what the diet of vegetarian is so she assumes that all i can eat are salad rice and toast which is what we see her eating in this episode but uh people uh i mean i'm a pescatarian i eat fish for like health reasons but when people ask me like what do you eat you have to remind people like so many things don't have meats wait a <laughs> yeah. minute you eat pepperoni pizza no you take the pepperoni off <laughs> you can eat pizza uh yeah you know uh I will say for her options in Texas in 1998, probably yes. more limited. We don't even that. have like Boca burgers, <laughs> but I mean, like there are so many things that don't have a meat item in it. She's lucky later in the episode that uh, that steakhouse has a salad bar. Like there, there are some st- steakhouses that would say like, I can give you French fries and that's about it. Yes. Like, yeah. Or I remember yeah. going to a Burger King in like 2005 when they just added uh, like garden burgers or some vile item <laughs> and i ordered one the guy was like please don't make us make this <laughs> they just didn't want to do it you know i i hear the on the doughboys they talk about beyond meat at most of those burger king and mcdonald's places have really uh come a long way in the last couple of yes. years yeah i recommend it it's just as unhealthy as red meat but you're not killing something <laughs> yeah you'll still have all of that sodium and all of the oil and the fat yeah. don't forget the fat <laughs> all that fat i uh you know i did did you look up what the actual number for chickens is or for, oh for no no uh so uh this could be that things are different now than in 1998 and that could have been an accurate thing so two stats i found was i believe when she says 500 chickens she means lifetime uh but in 2014 the usa today uh said 2400 chickens in a lifetime is how much a typical american eats too many poor little chickens uh and then according to vox in 2022 and this was an article that was trying to tell people you could eat less animals, you know, like just replace, have a meat free night. Even you don't have to go fully vegetarian. They said in a year, the average American eats 174 animals, 23 chickens, a third of a pig, a 10th of a cow, three fourths of a turkey, 
Uh, a small amount of duck, 12 fish and 137 shellfish, though, says a lot of that shrimp. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's how many. Uh, honestly, that number sounds low for a year of an American eating meat. Yeah, I'm really yeah. surprised. Uh, yeah. I thought it'd be higher, but still too high. I would think most Americans eat a whole pig in a year, not a third of a pig. Like, yeah. But but yeah, so uh, it's it's sweet, though, that she tries to be like that could feed a starving village. Th- though they should need it yes <laughs> but she's getting her like ethical lines crossed <laughs> so maybe i'm conflating this with evangelion but i feel like this is a little like oscar just wanting to kiss because she's bored because she's like hey you want to kiss like i like you all right and we're alone like let's just kiss and yeah then- yeah <laughs> like i don't think like she's leading bobby on but i, I assume that she's kissed a- another boy before and she's just like uh, let's just see what this is like yeah, and, you know yeah. and then it's like it's bobby hill so you're not having a great time kissing him <laughs> yeah well i mean it's his first uh, it's the first kiss on a 12 year old it's not going to be a good time that sounded weird to say <laughs> uh look but i'm just saying that she she did it probably just her own awkward teen way of saying like i guess i like you and hey we have this we have an opportunity of a private couch to ourselves a couch is a perfect place for teen makeouts, so well, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah. God, I mean, I had so much anxiety about kissing, and I guess now you have YouTube videos, <laughs> but I, I think everyone just figures it out. Mm-hmm. It just feels like, uh, it feels so natural, but it's like, before it happened, I was like, well, where do my hands go? Where does my tongue go? Where's my mouth go? Where's yeah. my nose go? I was terrified. The nose was the most terrifying part for me. I was like, but my nose, what if I like bonk noses or whatever? Yes. Yeah. It's, I've learned. I've yes. learned since then. If you're waiting for your first kiss, you'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. Don't don't worry so yeah. much. That's if I could tell my virgin self anything, I'd say don't worry so much. <laughs> I tell myself that about a lot of things in the past. <laughs> yeah, I guess actually even post virginity, I could probably use that tip <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I wish future Bob would come to me now. <laughs> yeah, what's your tips now, the fifty nine year old Henry? Uh, find clean water. You'll need it. <laughs> Stockpile it. <laughs> Move to the middle of America in the cheapest place you can Ooh. and stockpile water. Vancouver's too close to the border. Mm-hmm. But you got a lot of water. That's it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, fresh water. Uh, so act two begins and finally Peggy is in the picture and we open with her pouring mar- morning coffee. Bobby comes in, is comparing everything to his girlfriend. Now I can identify with this in a very embarrassing way. I'm seeing this through the perspective of my parents when I was in love for the first time where they're like, oh boy, he doesn't understand that there will be a lot of this in his life and this is not the end. And also uh, this infatuation is very strong. So, um, you know, Bobby's like, oh, did you see the sunrise? It was the color of my girlfriend Marie's hair and Peggy's pouring coffee. And, uh, you know, Bobby's remarking about how Marie likes her coffee and Hank is reading something in the paper about some like tree that's being cut down and Bobby it's in the middle of a ballpark which makes no sense yes. like how do you play baseball with that but anyway and Bobby is trying to find some reconnection she's, and he's like I'm not sure what my girlfriend thinks about this uh, but I'll ask her I love that he doesn't yeah. he doesn't even know what her opinion is but he he still has to say it. I mean if you've never had a girlfriend before which a girl kissed him once. That's not his girlfriend, but of course, Bobby thinks that. And you want to brag to everybody. It's yes. your way of saying I'm not a loser. I, I don't blame Bobby. Like being in love for the first time is like an incredible, overpowering feeling. I was like sick the first few times I fell in love, and then you get used to those chemicals entering your body. <laughs> uh, you, I think, to this first girlfriend experience. Uh, this Bob, you wrote one of the funniest things. I oh, uh, I did. It's something awful at, at your time at essay. Your parody of a webcomic where the webcomic guy gets a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. If you're looking this up, it's a parody of XKCD called L 
MND, uh, loser math, sorry, loser math nerd comics or something like that. I forget what it was called, but uh, uh, I just love the guy shoehorns his girlfriend into like five comics in a row just to say I have a girlfriend, and then the girlfriend <laughs> leaves him, and you he has to write through the comic why why he's happier without her or something. Like it's you, you're a very funny guy. Bob. Thank you. I, I, I retired my joke writing hat, uh, but uh, you, you, it all goes into the podcast. Yes. all your comedy. Sorry, it's loser nerd math comics so if you want to look that up uh xkcd has done nothing wrong but they were just kind of irritating for a while uh you know most most web comics once a guy once the man writing it gets a girlfriend it's uh, it's a dangerous moment uh, that things change usually for the worst especially if it's a, a cool gamer girl yeah that's oh gonna God. frag all you noobs man yeah control alt delete i think might be <laughs> the guiltiest of this uh, yeah. uh boy what a bad comic let's uh let's see what's happening next Pe- uh, hank and peggy are investigating this new relationship all right bobby i'll bite why do you keep saying the word girlfriend because i have a girlfriend <laughs> bobby has a girlfriend all right son She's real, right? I mean, she's not imaginary or on a cereal box or anything, is she? No. All right. Well, I assume that she's your girlfriend, just like Joseph is your boyfriend. Peggy, Joseph is not Bobby's boyfriend. Ah! Ah! Red alert! The garbage jug's here! You're not taking it! Sir, can you ask this gentleman to get off the couch so we can do our job? Bill, don't move a muscle. Good work, Bill. <laughs> All right, but if you leave it out, somebody's going to haul it away. Go to hell. <laughs> it's a great uh, line reading, and I also like how they're just reflected in Dale's glasses when he says that. <laughs> and they're not scared. They're just like, All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love how he doesn't move a muscle, just like Hank tells him to. And Hank, you know, Hank thanks him for that. But. Yeah, I like Peggy is also incapable of understanding it. She's like, why do you keep saying the word girlfriend? <laughs> She's willing to entertain it, though. I'm not like Hank saying, well, this is a joke. I think this is one of uh, you talk about it a ton when we first did Peggy's Headache. But this episode, two is a big level up for Peggy. Like season three, Peggy is when she becomes the perfect character. And this is one of those moments like you think in just the start of this scene, she's in denial because she doesn't want Bobby to grow up. It's her little baby. She doesn't want him to grow up. But and that's a good trait for her as a mom. But they need one extra spice to it of, of that talks to Peggy's uh, other personality yes. problems which they find later and it's so good. Yeah, like yeah. her original personality was like overparenting mother who relies on conventional wisdom and now we're in the uh, Peggy has a bit of an ego era of the yeah. show which will last until the end and I like how she eventually will mock her son for being broken up with <laughs> when she should understand like this is these are intense feelings for this young boy and it's okay if he's being irrational and yes I, I was a young Bobby uh, falling in love for the first time telling my parents who humored me about my wonderful new girlfriend and how great she is <laughs> and it's all very embarrassing uh, but but your mom wasn't out to score points on you later of like well I guess you weren't so smart were you no like, <laughs> but I didn't say like well I love my girlfriend more than you love my stepdad yes yeah you you weren't as full of yourself as Bobby yeah that's yeah. true <laughs> but another very observational thing uh, so we go back to Tom Landry Middle School 
Bobby is already in the thrall of Marie. Marie is not like manipulating Bobby. Bobby is just so infatuated. And this is like the number one thing that young nerdy boys do when they're in love. It's just like, I'll just do whatever this, this one, this woman or man tells me. I'll, I, I like, I love them so much. Well, that does not, that's not attractive. Like being a doormat <laughs> who just is like, well, anything you want to do, honey is uh, not, not attractive at all. So that's like a pitfall of like early infatuation is just being a needy doormat. And it also how it caught it's, it's so natural how it instantly causes conflict with his two friends of like, Hey, my two longtime friends and my new girlfriend, they, sh- we should all hang out together. And then instantly you just crap on what your old friends want to do. And you're like, well, no, her idea is great. Let's do her. idea." Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I- I've been there. And the idea at the time was like, uh, a woman wants to hang out with me. Well, <laughs> this will never happen again. I need to, uh, only spend time with her. Yeah. I mean, your want to please her is much more important than like, you know, some guy you've some uh, platonic male friend you've had since like fourth grade or whatever. Like you, you're not as worried about. It. I mean, so I have been through this. I did go through this in middle school, just in the indirect way of friendships with older boys who I, you know, looking back on it, wished was more than friendships when I was a teen. But what are you going to do back then? You know, this was it was the nineties. <laughs> I'm jealous of these kids today. Will and actually, Grace wasn't on TV yet. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's. Uh, this is a joke from the bros movie, but they said that like these kids today, they, they grew up with glee. We grew up with AIDS. Like oh, it, it was tougher. It's harder back then. Yeah. You could not actually like the idea of having a, an, an out boyfriend in high school or even junior high insane insane to think of for me growing up yeah yeah. i mean uh i didn't know anyone who was out in catholic school uh there was one uh guy i know i know it's not like a cool thing to say well that person is gay it was just like in brain candy where dave foley is like dogs know it (laughs) this guy was so gay but his choice was i'll become a priest Ooh boy that that was a bad move for him and i hope he i hope he's okay with everything that's happened but i uh, I hope he's uh maybe he can get out of that it's not too late yes hey the pope quit yeah, that's like, how dare that pope? I that pope should not get full pope funeral when you quit being pope. They better I, take away pope. his uh, heaven condo. <laughs> He's got to live in like a tenement with the rest of us now. <laughs> but yeah, they want to ride bikes. Uh, Marie says that's boring, so Bobby quickly changes his tune. Is like, let's do what Marie wants to do, and they all go shopping for clothes. Or uh, Marie wants to, and Bobby's like, that's a great idea. So <laughs> immediately, uh, like uh, Bobby's in the cult of Marie. The guys are in the cult of the couch. <laughs> I love, too, that later you find out that Connie and Joseph just peeled away from them without even saying goodbye at the mall. They just, like, were like, this sucks. Let's yes. get out of here. Bobby doesn't know what happened to them. Uh, <laughs> and this is a great scene here. We cut to Dale's place. Uh, and the phone rings. He puts a microphone on it before he answers it. <laughs> that's right. He's recording. Oh, that's so funny. He records everything. But he knows, like, legally he has to tell the person. So he says, for quality purposes, some portions of this telephone call may be recorded. And then he goes, Gribble residence. <laughs> you know, this teaches me that if somebody says may be recorded, it means it definitely absolutely yeah yeah. (laughs) uh and i like this little visual thing they're doing in which a curly phone cord is the divider between the conversation between dale and bill it's just a clever little visual device which i'm sure like a kid wouldn't understand like what's this weird cable between the characters oh yes yeah that's very clever i i also think this is like the start of the the growing friendship of bill and dale like they didn't share too many scenes in the first two seasons together but 
This is where like the softening of Dale will continue and him and Bill just get into like stupid things together all the time. I, my first thing I always think of when I say that is the Hawk, the, the yeah. ridiculous they, Hawk story. Line. They're more of frenemies, I think, mm. but the, they're figuring out the partnership between these two characters is very funny, but here it's like very affable where these guys who don't seem to have a lot going on personality wise, uh, or like a lot of depth to them. It's like, what if they had a phone call with each other? What would they talk about? <laughs> and they talk about the couch. They're like, man, I wish I was on that couch right now. A couch that's like can't be more than 30 feet away from them, as they're saying this to. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like, I was just about to call you about the couch. <laughs> it's sweet. It's sweet. I, I also like how Dale is just very ha- just uh, self-satisfied of like, my, writes down Bill, puts away, he's like, hmm, okay. Yeah, Dale's got a catalog of all of his tapes. Uh, Bill Couch, Hank Lawn, and Hank Tools are his recorded conversations. He must have very quickly digitized those once he had the chance. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> the Gribble Archives. Uh, so Marie and Bobby are walking home. Uh, Bobby is holding all the shopping bags again. Bobby's the like the helpful doormat. Yeah. With, uh, it's like, I don't respect myself, but I love you. <laughs> that, that urge you one kiss, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> and Bobby, uh, Marie's like, what happened to your friends which shows it's a smart bit of writing because marie doesn't want to chase away bobby's friends she just thought the idea of riding bikes was boring and bobby's like kind of threw them under the bus but he's like i don't know what happened to them they were following (laughs) us at the mall Uh, and they were gone we were having such a good time at the mall oh well hey i mean also i think bobby isn't too sad they're not there because this gives him a private moment i mean i would guess the entire day he has spent with her to, in Bobby's mind is a long walk back to that couch. He's figuring out how to get back to the couch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Bobby spots it and asks Marie if she wants to kiss and she doesn't. And Bobby starts being a little creeper here because we, that's where we get this opening line that I played. You have to respect my needs too. Because Bobby <laughs> claims, well, I'm sure he felt that way, but he's like, I didn't feel like kissing, but when you asked me to kiss you, I did. So now you got to kiss me. <laughs> that's not how a relationship works. No, no. I mean, this uh, certainly this feels like a joke uh, when he says like you have to respect my needs it sounds like he's already bringing them to the level of like say people in a long-term committed relationship but just like well you know what i didn't want to do x in the bedroom and you did and i gave it a shot so how about you do y for me now this kind of like trading thing almost and yeah. the respect my needs thing feels like bobby's just quoting something he heard on tv oh that, that's i his, didn't hear it on oprah or something. Yeah. yeah that's his like <laughs> life experience is watching tv i uh yeah i mean uh, wasn't that ours too like, it was, yeah, it really like, was. <laughs> i probably said things in relations because uh, or or as a teen of like is this what mature people who date on seinfeld say in a relationship isn't that what i learned a lot about straight coupling mainly from endless sitcom watching it's mostly yeah. true <laughs> except we all have uh, the internet now uh is everybody on friends uh or as cruel in real life as people are on friends uh other? only only the wealthy i see <laughs> uh so we get to them kissing uh bobby is no still doesn't know where to put his hands marie it clearly is done with the messing with bobby or not i wouldn't i want i don't want to villainize marie marie is done with this expression of her affection for bobby and she's like looking at her watch while bobby is kissing her <laughs> i I love that it's underside that's how i wear my fitbit too the mm. underside look but yeah that i could see it if i have to guess what marie is thinking i think she's like well i felt like kissing this boy once sure i'll kiss him again and she's like 
yeah, I'm not really feeling this as much. Uh, have I been nice enough? Has, has this kiss lasted long enough to be nice? All right. Well, hey, see you later, Bobby. <laughs> and she leaves Bobby behind with his eyes closed. He's kissing the air, but he doesn't take this as a bad sign. I know. Just being abandoned mid-kiss. But she's like, okay, bye, Bobby. And she walks away, and he's like still like fumbling and like oh, smooching the air. His little finger twiddles as he's saying, good night, Murray. <laughs> like, uh, I, uh, Pamela Adlon's always great, but she is so good at, at Bobby as this desperate little boy who goes who goes through a real emotional journey for a character she was originally told to just say like okay yeah like the flattest delivery <laughs> for the most dull little boy uh meanwhile though after this scene marie is changing bobby can i have some rice and plain toast please my girlfriend marie's a vegetarian and she says uh there it is <laughs> i knew this was too good to be true so she's a vegetarian she still likes lots of things I like, like kissing, for instance. Oh, oh my word. Hank, talk to the boy. Bobby, vegetarians can't be trusted. Just last week, we caught one of them siphoning gas out of a company truck. No, I was talking about the kissing. He's too young. You would think that, but I am such a good kisser, Mom. Marie says so. You should have seen it. She bent my head back. She <gasps> Bobby, hand. Bobby. You are only 12. You should be afraid of girls. You're just jealous because you aren't as in love as me and Marie. Bobby, I really don't think you can compare a two-day infatuation to a 20-year marriage. I bet Marie and me have kissed more in two days than you have in your whole marriage. You know, I don't think I've ever seen you guys kiss. Your father has kissed me. Peggy! I'm not afraid to show my love. You are. Your father and I have done things you can't even imagine. Peggy, please. <laughs> I forgot about that line when I was pulling clips. Uh, that's uh, that's an outrageous line from Peggy. But no, you're right. It is playing the two sides of Peggy, the overparenting, protective mother, and also the very prideful and egotistical Peggy, where she's willing to almost like tell Bobby the ways her and Hank have had sex to one-up uh, him. She's like, well, yeah, she she's almost going to list to her son the sexual acts she's done with Hank. But, but I, yeah, that a more mature grounded person uh would have said like i'm not in competition with my son to prove that i have a better relationship but peggy instantly is like how dare you challenge me my my love affair god they give her so many good lines yeah. in this. and there's i want to praise the camera move because as hank is telling the story about the vegetarian thief the camera is like pushing it on him and then when peggy interrupts it snaps back <laughs> that's really good it's a yeah. really funny camera move uh and peggy is asking him to have a sex talk with bobby when he's just like no, I got it. Vegetarians are horrible, and you should never become one. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I also, I mean, I do love Hanks. Like, uh, there you go. Like he, he knew it was too good to be true. It had to be a bad girlfriend who's going to try to change him with his evil ideas, like a yeah. twig girl, perhaps. Yes, yeah. I, I'm very in touch right now with the the Hank world because I, I watched as several episodes of. I do it every Christmas break. I see a lot of Taylor. Sheridan television. Oh, you uh, poor man. It's stepped at, you know, I stepped at uh, theater. It's stepped at theater. You know, there's worse things to watch. It's fine. And hey, I know what Pete, why it's so popular. And there's Harrison Ford literally has a speech in an episode about why it's awesome to own more things. And it's like, well, yeah, you, you fought for it. It's yours. Is he in uh, Tulsa? Uh, 1923. Okay. Tulsa. How'd, they, how'd they get him? And is he just sitting? 
he does a lot of sitting though he does ride a horse like he actually okay this i i'm just saying a tweet i said now but 1923 is a show that stars harrison ford and helen fucking mirin and then everybody else in it is like a person you never heard of almost all white including like dudes like named sledge Bl- like barkley or brand clutcher yeah but it's i've never heard of these fucking guys before and then like a half dozen blonde girls who are like the perfect trad wife and and there's such a sneaky thing they do in the first episode where there is a jealous jealous irish guy who's just like you can't own you can't own the whole mountain i want the grass for me he's like that's you're just jealous of it that's why you want to have my stuff and it is so about how socialism's evil Boy, it's, no uh, wonder yeah. it's so popular it, it really is but it's also like full of good acting and stuff but obviously I think some people watch it because they're like, I'm just like this cool guy that every girl wants to fuck. And he's <laughs> like the best dude. And still, and even though he's in his seventies, he can still outshoot any old younger guy. Like he's such a badass. Like, yeah, that's the same with that Tulsa King show, which I haven't watched that, but, uh, my, my stepdad and mom really love it too. Uh, we, I got to hear all about it from our Chapo pals. They, they, they can start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> My mom and stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. I should send him a, I got an extra microphone. I could send him. We get 10% way. of the profits. <laughs> it has to be hosted on Talking Simpsons. Yes. 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 Yeah. Now people will be demanding it. <laughs> uh, we get a sweet scene here because we cut to, uh, Luann and Connie, uh, they're in Connie's room. Luann is flattered, but also weighing over her head that Connie asked her to help her with her algebra homework. <laughs> oh, she's so lost. It's so great. And, and they've kept the cotton your hair no one would have blamed them if they had given her normal length hair again or just said like i'll she'll wear the wig until her hair grows back but they kept it short i love that and connie admits that's not why you're here and she goes oh thank god (laughs) she tosses the book away like that's so good (laughs) it's it's uh what up next is like a very good joke about like just the smallness of connie's world because she's like well as you know Bobby has a girlfriend and a, a fun joke about Luann being dense. Bobby has a girlfriend and I know it. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah it's, I also like it. It's like Connie trying to sound like a smart character in a book who makes pronouncements like, as you know, Bobby has a girlfriend, but it's far too smart for Luann. It just leaves her lost. Yeah. And uh, she jumps in with some adult advice and she tells Connie, this is meant to be. It'll happen. And she points out, you know, Buckley and I were meant to be and that's why he blew up. And Connie <laughs> Connie just grimaces like, oh, I love her reaction shot that she's like, oh, wait, I probably shouldn't have asked about dating to somebody whose ex-boyfriend exploded in front of her just a few what weeks ago or something like, yeah, I uh, though I can see why Connie turned to Luann because literally the only thing Luann knows more about than Connie is relationships and not that Luann particularly understands relationships either, but she has kissed boys and done more, so she can tell Connie something. Absolutely. Let's yeah. Cut to the uh, virgin episode in a few years. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, when she gets re-virginified. Yes. <laughs> so we cut to Hardware Ranch, where Hank is asking for help keeping the squirrels away from his outdoor couch. <laughs> what a great line. And the clerk goes off the check, and Peggy tries to just place her hand on Hank's. Like, after some, like, reluctance, she's not even holding hands. Hank has his hand on the counter, and she tries to touch it, and it freaks him out. He, can't, he cannot stand it. it. It is a really good little sea story of Hank is actually very troubled by uh, public intimacy like Bobby that's probably what drives Peggy crazy too and Bobby says that that he's right he does know that they never have uh, public displays of affection in front of others and and then Hank is a very repressed person also yeah I, is that the first time they've really 
shown the timeline of when she says a 20 year marriage and Bobby is 12. That means she didn't get pregnant until seven years into their marriage. Yeah. That's, that's a long time of, you know, that narrow urethra didn't loosen up for a very long time. They'll explore that a lot in pregnant pause. Like that's why right. Bobby was born so late into their marriage. Why they're, why they're kind of older parents for having such a younger kid. That's why they're, I see. So it's, it's setting up for the next episode. They know is coming. Even. Yeah. And uh, I, I also like how cruel the show is and that they're punished for just simple PDAs. Just like, a hand holding uh, a old guy comes by and says get a room you two <laughs> arlen is a very repressive society like that it's not just i think that shows you it's not just that hank is that repressed that it's also like if he even wanted to be openly loving any person in arlen would say like hey how dare you like i love too that he He's like, well, my hands are full, and he's holding like a big yes. wrench. And then he's taking stuff off the shelves <laughs> to like make sure his hands are full. And when the guy yells at him, he picks back up the the flashlight to get something back in his hand. Now I'll admit, I I am in a uh, PDA positive coupling with my wife. We're not jamming tongues down each other's throats, but <laughs> we are always holding hands. Uh, escalators are the perfect kissing situation. Just a little peck because she's a foot shorter than me, and I am not ashamed. <laughs> and this 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 will be like buried by the time this episode releases. And this is like a tweet that didn't make a lot of waves, but someone took a picture of a couple kissing on the subway like very judgmentally like this white couple talked about how much they like ethiopian food and then started making out and all the all the replies were like maybe you should find love yes maybe yeah. you're lonely <laughs> don't take pictures of people of strangers who are having like a nice moment with each other man yeah that's a jerk thing to do yeah. like i i mean really yes that tweet i guess is just somebody saying like they got mad seeing a happy couple after a date, which, hey, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, we've pre, all been there. Pre-taking pictures of people and putting it online, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, I know you, you and Nina have a very, very sweet relationship. I, uh, I'm used to uh, some public displays of affection with my husband living here. And then other times when we've been on trips, uh, he's had to remind me of like, hey, we're not in San Francisco. Yes. Now. You can't just actually like kiss me. Uh, it makes us a little less comfortable kissing in public. It's yeah. a different situation for me, obviously. But when I would go back home, I went back home with my wife, uh, who's Asian, by the way, uh, back to my state of Ohio. There were a few people looking at us walking down yeah. the streets. Uh, one guy was like, hey, was like, nope, I'm not going to talk to the guy in the MAGA hat. Let's okay. go this way. That's, you know, it's not dissimilar. It is. No, no. Uh, it's a tough country, right? Uh, side note, my husband, when he flew back here and this was in Seattle, he says at the airport he went to, there was an entire family, like four people, mother, husband, mother, father, kid, uh, son, daughter. All wearing matching Let's Go Brandon attire. Oof, like oof. To, it was like the armor they put on to like, well, if we're visiting them in Seattle, I'm putting on my Let's Go Brandon stuff. Like, Got to show off. For for the airport. It was insane. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> God, are people still doing that Brandon thing? Uh, you know, I don't. I think so. But the only things I, the conservative stuff I see at airports is usually a Punisher T or a Blue Lives Matter thing. I, I don't see as much Brandon. I, I think like snarky leftists took back brandon because now we just call joe biden brandon as like an <laughs> ironic uh, comment on him yeah i think even the dark uh well, there's dark brandon for the the liberal blue checks right, as well right. yeah so maybe it's been effectively joked uh, the joke has been taken back enough but uh, uh i didn't uh, my husband was too scared to take a photo of them but uh based on his reporting he did see a, a let's go brandon family wow, i've only seen mega hat families <laughs> uh so we cut to 
the alley and we see the sanitation truck rolling by the coast is clear the boys retrieve the couch now they're hiding the couch from the garbage man <laughs> yeah I, I i love their little system that they set it all back up and they even have a little you know covering for it to make sure it doesn't get wet and yeah they've got an awning they've got uh, drink holders uh it's like it's perfect for them they've made it into a project and it's great <laughs> it is a real dude's rock kind of moment yes uh, yeah i and i had to look this up but this is a real song that's playing over it it's not just uh, oh yeah I, I was re-watching it this morning and i tried using shazam but it didn't recognize the song i i had to google the soundtrack for the episode but uh, it is and of course i would be losing my cred as a Jacksonville, I don't want to say native, but I didn't live there for most of my childhood. It's Leonard Skinner. Really? It's, yeah, it's a song called I Know a Little from uh, from a 1977 album. Hmm. So not one of the more famous Skinner songs. I, I mean, I don't know Skinner songs that weren't on the radio, which I think this one is one of those. But it's a nice little jam. It's uh, it's an actual song. It's not just like all instrumental, but they took the instrumental opening. For yeah, it, that's so. a weird thing to pay for when they could have just had their composer do a sound alike or just yeah. like a, a jaunty uh, country-ish tune. I think Skinner, not cheap. No. Know? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's hear the origins of the couch. What did you do to my old couch? We're not falling for it, Con. This was not yours. I get rid of it after a neighborhood cat come inside and pee all over it. We try to dump it in front of Gribble's yard, but Min cut her leg on a tack, so we'd dump it here. Ah, uh, I get it. He's seen what we've done with it. Now he wants it back. Gribble, you crazy. I don't want it back. Oh, hey, I got an old pair of boxer shorts you can use as tea cozy. Want that too? <laughs> hey, is Bobby home? Who are you? I'm Marie. How old are you? Fourteen. Fourteen? I don't know what Bobby's been telling you, but he's only twelve. Mm, he's been telling me lots of things. How come you never hold your wife's hand? <laughs> See you later, Dad. Bobby's Marie is 14 years old. What? Uh, oh, God. That means when she was three, our Bobby was only one. <laughs> it makes me sick just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, the age gap uh, is a little messy this early in their lives. Yes, yeah. It's like they're if they're both in middle school together, I, I don't think they need to freak out this much. But Actually, my, my first girlfriend in high school was two years younger than me. I think most of my girlfriends were either like two or three years younger than me. My my husband is uh, eight years younger than me, but I, I, I met him when he was 29. So it's like, uh, yeah, but these, this moment is so funny that they play it off like, they're learning Bobby's dating a woman like like An Bobby older is, woman. yeah like Bobby's nineteen and she's like thirty eight or something, uh, but this this moment too that like I don't know what Bobby's been telling you but he's twelve like they think he's they're outing him or something, <laughs> uh, and of course they I mean Hank's not gonna like Marie that she also lords this information over him which I suppose is a not good show she's. Not the best person doing that to Hank. Like, oh, he tells me lots of things. She's, she's just like, as emotionally mature, maybe yeah, slightly yeah. more than Bobby, uh, more emotionally mature than Bobby. But she still says inappropriate things to adults. Yeah, but that's like the difference between of like you know somebody who's four feet tall or someone who's like four foot three. Like, yeah. it's not that much big of a growth. Yes. Uh, one thing I forgot to cover up front was like hall monitors. Uh, I saw this in media all the time. There was never a hall monitor in any school I went to. You know, we at my elementary school we had a 
hall monitor type thing it was called safeties okay uh and it was mainly you did get a sash uh i uh for about four months i really wanted one of those sashes and then huh. i gave up on it, you it just was, order your own <laughs> sash uh but the, the i think their main job was there was like a side road where ki- parents picked up their kids and uh your job is the safety you were called to safety because you made sure kids didn't like run in front of a car or get run mm-hmm. over there like so uh but they didn't and i think they would walk we also didn't have a lot of indoor at this jacksonville one it was mostly outside uh, and around portables we call it's them. like the school in halloween it's actually a lot like that yeah so it wasn't so much a hall monitoring thing but safeties were basically that they did wear a sash type deal like marie does in hmm. the start of the episode there were like there were never hall passes or people patrolling the halls uh i i knew like in my in my private schooling they had uh quote-unquote room moms which are like unpaid labor <laughs> like my mom is a work from home i'm sorry stay-at-home mom and she'll come to the school and like serve cafeteria food and do stuff and i'm thinking now and now i'm an adult i'm like you were paying to have your kid here and now you're just gonna hang out here and work yeah i'd have never done that shit yeah no way your your mom what did i say your mom was too nice to that place yeah I, my mom didn't do it oh okay uh, other moms other moms yeah. yeah my mom had a real job <laughs> uh yeah i i think there weren't so much hall passes well of course the last two years of my high school were after columbine and you it, were, it was very locked down like they they seem to think if you asked to go to the bathroom you were really going to your locker to get a gun you're arming yeah. the bombs yes yeah there somebody left a timer a, like a accidentally left like an alarm clock or something in their locker that made noises that sounded to someone like a bomb they evacuated the entire school into the stadium and we sat there for an hour before the cops found out what it was like we were all very worried everything was a bomb or a gun uh after columbine yeah was a dark uh but we've enough enough columbine stuff yes. this is this is six whole months before columbine Oof. yeah there's still time there's still time <laughs> uh so yes we cut to a red teen basement party all the kids are dancing bobby is not they're cool. all white too they're all white yeah. bobby's doing a silly old-timey dance uh he grabs some snacks and asks some local teens if it's a makeup party and he says because if it is i'm prepared for that <laughs> i love how he's not worried he's not insecure at all at first seeing these talking to these two older boys he's like yeah i'm on the same level as you like he's like I, i've <laughs> kissed before yeah <laughs> he's kissed marie twice and she did not enjoy it he thinks he's very good at making out though yeah <laughs> and then uh the camera like pivots around his head i feel like they wanted to push this further but they didn't have enough money but it goes like 45 degrees around his head before we cut to marie doing some funky fresh dancing with some teen boys yeah you know the show demands too much of rough draft i think they've i feel like there's like we've done six episodes where there's like a long turn around these characters or maybe a big zoom in on a uh mosquito or a fly like yeah there's but i love bobby's bobby's jealousy here is also perfect like it is how a child who doesn't know how to be jealous expresses jealousy. Yeah, I mean, they're covering every aspect of a young relationship. 
where it's like the overly infatuated boy, uh, the talking about this girl to everybody, even your parents, the being a complete doormat, the not knowing how to kiss, and then they're covering the jealousy because that's another thing when you're too young to handle relationships. You just love the feeling of being with that person and like anyone else is an intruder. Like, no, you're taking them away from me. Yeah, and some people don't grow out of that. Uh, but yeah, I, I like that he's... He doesn't know what to do with his jealousy. That he's like, hey, if the girl doesn't want to dance, then listen to her. Like, he's he's trying to shove them away from her. And I think for Maria, I don't think she... Well, one, she does not think Bobby is her boyfriend. And two, right, yeah. I think that she's just like dancing is fun. And I, I believe her when she says she just wants to dance and have fun. Like, yeah, they're not uh, trying to demonize her. And I like, yeah, Bobby trying to break up this uh, this dance. Again, it feels like he's imitating something he saw on TV. Like when the guy steps in, like the lady said no. Yes, you know? yeah. He, he thinks he's a cool cowboy in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Marie could be meaner, but she just says, Bobby, move. Like mm. she wants him out of the scene. Yeah. and But that's when Bobby causes a scene he turns off the music everyone is staring at him he just shouts marie (laughs) and then she just grabs him by the hand just yanks him up the stairs and that's when we have uh this very very messy breakup in this longish clip why were you dancing with those guys i don't know i like dancing i wanted to dance who were those guys why were you dancing with all those guys bobby they're friends we were just dancing what about us? You're supposed to dance with just me. And maybe some of your girlfriends, but mostly just me. Bobby, well, this is getting way too intense. We're only friends. I thought we were more than that. Bobby, you're a funny guy. You make me laugh, that's all. But we kissed. Yes, and I'm looking back now, maybe that was a mistake. Mistake! That was the single most important thing in my life. Look, Bobby, I don't think we should hang out together anymore. Just tell me why you were dancing with all those guys. Bye, Bobby. You kissed me. That means we're back together again. <sighs> Marie, come back. Uh... Look, I'm doing your favorite comedy bit. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Ooh, what a performance. Yeah, man. Give Pamela Adlon an Emmy, too. Yeah. Man. I mean, usually when people are locked into these characters that don't have a lot of emotional range, when they're forced to make big emotional speeches or push themselves they find new ways to express themselves through the character and i think like bobby will become more expressive from this point on because she has never had to push bobby this far oh man yeah the way she's having to like cry i mean the challenge of especially do your bobby voice then put on his weird yiddish accent (laughs) then cry sob through all of it oh Uh, this is this is so painful just thinking about i mean it's supposed to like laser target the uh horrible past of everyone watching it like remember when you were a kid and you thought this was so important you thought this one breakup would just end your life bobby it is it is like a sad line but it's also a funny line where bobby's like it was the most important thing in my life (laughs) and yes that's what it feels like when you are uh, 17 you go through a breakup and you're like i was going to be with that woman forever (laughs) this awkward first kiss was the start of my life story yeah Yeah, i this is one of those dangerous things i i worry about with all of the young adult fiction uh people grow up loving now is that 
this belief that you like well yeah the characters in the show who start dating in like middle school they're together forever of course you know like but but that's a tv show or a book series or whatever you in in real life not not as many people stay forever with the first person they kiss you know yes uh, maybe yeah. in the past maybe yeah maybe yeah i think i mean it probably would have helped kids mature a lot more if like I don't know. Harry Potter like broke up with that girl, and then maybe later in life they reconnect. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's hack to talk about Twilight, and uh, <laughs> a lot of people are mad at it for the wrong reasons. But it is just like, what if you got pregnant in high school and it was awesome? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it brings in a whole lot of mm-hmm. uh, Mormon baggage. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. And your uh, baby grows up instantly, so you have to raise it. Yeah, and she already has a boyfriend uh, who is imprinted. That is a fun man yeah i think i do think there is a point that people were mean to twilight in ways that were sexist yeah but also twilight is fucked up yes Uh, i mean not to go on too long about twilight (laughs) there was a point before the movies where i was reading summaries of the books because everyone was making fun of them they were just very funny and i had to tell people that the imprinting thing with uh with jacob and the baby was real like this actually happens in this book (laughs) i did not believe it until then yeah i think you know at least the 50 shades of gray lady she took her twilight fanfic and turned it into at least like something exciting about like actual sex though though still i from what i know about the overarching story of the 50 shades of gray eventually they also turn into a traditional trad <laughs> relationship as well instead well, of having fun kinky sex the books for your mom yes. and uh <laughs> it can only go so far it's it's about how you'll you'll have some kinky sex at first with a hot enough rich man but eventually you need to convince him to just have missionary sex and, and raise a child invest in property yes yeah. i don't know what happens in those books uh i yeah, I, I only know through comedy bits mocking those films. <laughs> but the breakup stuff, uh, yes. yeah, I had two. I mean, I think everyone's initial breakups are pretty bad. Uh, my first two are really bad. And then, like, the rest of them weren't great, but it's just, like, I felt all those feelings. My heart is now hardened, and I know that being this upset is not really a worthy investment. But when it happens to you, this is very accurate, which, like, you are crying, you are, like, inconsolable, and then you are just catatonic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was very much Bobby, like, lying on the living room floor uh, for a few weeks. Uh, no. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I like that they have that because, like, it's not as exciting as just, like, the the woman in tears uh, crying and eating chocolate and having, like, gal pal chat or whatever. For Bobby, it's the very realistic, I am just, I have nothing, I have no one, there is no future, I'm just going to lay catatonic on the floor life is over and i don't want to do anything yeah you know again i had it around this age or middle school high school i went through some of these emotions but not in a dating context usually though it was me not unlike bobby but in a gay way putting a lot more emotions on a male friendship than it actually was mm. of just like you know, I would befriend straight guys who I'd be like, yeah, we're really close me and you. Right. And like, not that I would make a move or something with them, but just I was more emotionally invested in a friendship than they were in what they thought was just a friendship. Yes. I see now. I was definitely more emotionally interested in the uh, in the women that broke up with me. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they weren't crying as much. Uh, I'm sure they were happy to be done with me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're all happier now. Yes. That's 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 why it's fun to watch this now. 
as opposed to when this episode aired when we were both like 16 we probably weren't in the right place to appreciate it no i didn't see it when it first aired i saw it after i had been broken up with uh, a few years later and i thought to myself i should have seen this first <laughs> and for the longest time it was hard to watch this because mm-hmm. it's so realistic that's why it won the emmy it's such a realistic depiction of a breakup of a very young breakup yeah and um yeah marie was never bobby's girlfriend that I never did that. I never went that far. I was never that deluded. But it took me a while to learn uh, when the girls I was interested in were just uh, having me around as a laugh. And uh, I learned over time a key uh, signal of that is when they would call me Bob Mackie. They would use my full name oh. uh, in, in a kind of a mocking way. And it happened as late as my 30s. Oh, damn. When I was trying to date in my 30s where... <laughs> Talking to a woman, we're get we're getting along well. It's like okay, maybe there's something going on here. The next time I see her, hi Bob Mackie. Like uh, oh, I'm a little like I'm a little <laughs> like I'm doing bits for you. Is that what I'm doing here? It's a little sing-songy, yeah. just like hey, it's Bob Mackie. It's funny your name is Bob Mackie. Come here, <laughs> dance around for me. Ooh, that's rough. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. Like it cuts me like a knife when everyone's like hi Bob Mackie. Just like ooh, ooh. I remember uh, everyone just like, are you mocking me? What's going on here? I. I think yeah. I think my even my parents uh, not in that way. But when they when my mom first learned of you, she of course said the like oh like the guy right right, right. yes yeah. I'm sorry that's followed you your whole life. Uh, if you say my name mockingly, like it's funny I'm saying the word Bob. <laughs> hey, can, can you, you imagine yeah, the very idea? Yes. Yes, but I mean, <laughs> I, I never, I I never really fell for that. I never deluded myself into thinking that, but I did learn the signals. Mm. Uh, and that was important for me. It takes a lot of time. In yeah. That. I, I also just love that Bobby, his, his just needy emptiness of like, just tell me why you were dancing with all those guys. Yeah. He circles back when <laughs> she's like, we're, we weren't dating. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to know. Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. This is the more important question I have to answer now, please. It's all, it's all I need to know right now. So we open with Act 3. Uh, Hank and Peggy are sitting on the couch. Hank awkwardly has her arm around her, has his arm around her. They're trying, like, <laughs> indoor PDAs. Uh, and when he hears the door open, he un- he pulls his arm away. <laughs> I like, too, that Peggy has to, like, fix her glasses because he does it so quickly it messes up her glasses. It's like they're they're buttoning their shirts or something, but it was so, so chaste. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Hank uh, assumes, forgetting Bobby as a girlfriend, like, someone push you off your bike, son? <laughs> That's so good. He still, he does not believe it. Part of his brain cannot accept it yeah and we think Bo- uh, peggy is going to comfort bobby but instead she rubs in and she's like well i guess your love wasn't as strong as your father's in mine now was it <laughs> that is one of the all-time great peggy moments i think like it's so it shows that she is not just the overprotective mom she is that petty that when her son is coming <laughs> and sobbing she's like time to score points kick him all he's down to let him know that my love is stronger than his i like that bobby just responds uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah god it's so funny <laughs> and then we jump to the alley all the guys are looking down at bobby he's weeping on the couch he's just <laughs> saying i kiss marie on this couch and Bill is offended. He's like, <laughs> yeah. now, Hank, that's not what this couch is for. Uh, you have to put it to a vote for a family member to use the couch. I love that. And, and even even uh, Hank is not comforting. He's like, you know, it's only natural to be sad, but the couch is a happy place. <laughs> I like, Yeah, it's like a little forceful. He's like, 
a happy place like yeah you're, you're not supposed to cry here bobby it's it's a fun way for hank to in general do what hank always does which is tell someone to bury their emotion <laughs> yeah and uh like i do remember we're getting to the end of personal stories here by the way i remember my parents trying to console me i was inconsolable and i, I really uh feel for them because yes it wasn't the end of the world and my mom tried talking to me and i heard like well go in there and talk to him like sending in sending in the dad you know Ooh, yes just yeah. like to be like well well you know bob uh there'll be other girls and uh just like they don't they don't know because yeah. you, you're just a mess of like chemicals bouncing around in your head like you cannot be fixed instantly you need to like have your heart hardened a little bit yeah it sadly takes time but uh but hank obviously doesn't have much patience for also i mean it is very unmanly for bobby to cry this much about yeah. a girl he basically yes. like squeals away from the couch oh god yeah it's uh it's certainly it's it's more of hank too of just like he probably was at first happy that Bobby is showing signs of heterosexuality here, <laughs> but then he's like, a mm, little too much. You're now, despite I did want you to love women, but you're loving them a little too much that it makes you cry. Like these, it's the tough rules, the very narrow definition of what a man must be. One of the better earlier episodes is where uh, Hank is hanging, Hank is helping Luann through her breakup, and I'm glad they didn't repeat the same beats here. They easily could have without really realizing it. Oh, yeah, right. Hank actually, like, eats ice cream with her and helps her and comforts her. Like, and tells her to bury her feelings. <laughs> I like in this way that Hank is more, it's more just about the couch for Hank. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we cut to Bobby lying on living room floor and, uh, there's a Hank Williams song playing. Uh, there's a tear in my beer mm-hmm. and Hank observes that Bobby stopped crying and his taste in music is getting better too. I love that. Yeah. Then of course, Hank, uh, Hank Hill would welcome Hank Williams, uh, uh senior, uh, being played in his house finally. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, by the way, yeah, Hank Williams Jr. is a big turd. Uh, Hank Williams Sr. Not bad. No. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm sure, I'm sure if he was, uh, interviewed on Fox news we wouldn't want to hear what he had to say either but yeah he died before that and he just has nice songs he was yeah. killed in an accident with some rowdy friends don't <laughs> investigate it <laughs> oh i didn't know this uh no that's a joke okay. about, about oh. the football song right yes you're right, all the rowdy yeah. friends are coming over <laughs> you don't know the hank williams jr no, i know that, okay, yes, i'm kidding yeah. <laughs> uh but yes uh i remember being laying on the living room floor and we had a little flop-eared rabbit named emily at the time she would jump around the house Aww. and just be like sitting with my head tilted to the side watching the bunny ju- jump around on the floor and then occasionally the bunny would come over and like nip at my clothes like is this thing alive oh the, the bunny was checking in on me oh that's sweet yeah that's sweet i i like ladybird at first is kind of sweet and comforting him with a lick on the back but then she goes to sniff his butt as as dogs do you know i think peggy is feeling a little uh guilty about the way she treated bobby <laughs> because she just like covers him up with a blanket and the scene of Bobby laying on the ground with the lights off became a meme. Have you seen this? It's like, oh no, I haven't seen this. Bobby is laying on the ground, and someone has photoshopped the same image, but like a glowing hologram, like the soul has lifted from his body. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I haven't seen this one. Oh, that's awesome. I got. I'll keep an eye out for this yes. meme out there. <laughs> it's it's very very funny. It's not like an animated gif. It's just like a fun image of like the soul has left the body. That's how <laughs> depressed someone is. Uh, I mean, that's definitely what's coming through. I also was curious. Like, wait, why, at first, why is he wearing jeans? He is not wearing his normal stretchy bobby pants. It's all for him to be wearing jeans to open them up later. That's right. That's yeah. right. He's not wearing his, like, short pants or whatever. <laughs> he you can't unbutton his his normal stretchy short pants. Yeah. So after this period of mourning, uh, Hank gives Bobby some advice. Look at it this way, Bobby. Tonight you're going out on a date. 
with your parents. And we know how you like going out with people older than you. <laughs> oh, I'm on a date with my two favorite men. Look at me. <laughs> a cup of rice, plain toast, and I'll help myself to a salad bar. Thank you. Is that her? Oh, now it all makes sense. She looks exactly like me. <laughs> Dad, I want to go home. You can't let her get to you, son. If you leave, she wins. And dating's all about who wins and who loses. <laughs> Yeehaw! Welcome to the Panhandler. Would any of you fine folks care to take on our 72-ounce top sirloin steak? Finish it in an hour, and it's free. Uh, no, thank you. Yes, I would. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yes, uh, final memory. I remember being very morose and depressed after this breakup, and my parents like tried to hang out with me for the first time in like years. Like, <laughs> wow. why don't we go out for some food? What do you think Aww. about that? And just like me being no fun, and them trying to like, well, uh, well, how about the weather today is nice, right? <laughs> no, it's not stupid. <laughs> weather sucks. It's gonna be cloudy all the time. I'm gonna call uh, my mom after this episode. <laughs> Thank her for all the things she did. Now that's uh, yeah, that's. It, I love that. I have had the Bobby feeling of parents trying to comfort you, but be in an awkward way, and you just going like, "Oh, I wish I was anywhere else." Like, I'm dead. Also, just wanting to feel, uh, feeling like I don't want to be in the world. I don't want to be out, th- even for a free meal. I don't want to be out in the world right now. And, and Peggy is sweet in a, in a kind of patronizing way. It's like a, a date with my two favorite men. Woo! <laughs> and then, but later in the restaurant, it's we're back to Peggy saying, "It makes so much sense. She looks just like me." You know? Oh, that's such a great line because. Marie doesn't look anything like Peggy. Marie is a cute and hip blonde teen. And uh, Peggy, even in her teens, we've seen it. She looked virtually the same. The same same high hair and nerdy glasses. And also Peggy has butch sensibilities. Like that's, that's part of what's fun about her that, but that Peggy's ego is so big that she sees a cute girl that her son likes. She's like, Oh, well, that explains it. He looks, she looks just like me. And the idea, like, well, of course, my son will fall in love with a woman who's just like me, the perfect woman. <laughs> yeah, I, I now take it as a compliment. His infatuation with her was just because he loves me so much. Like, it's all, God, how much is packed into that of what Peggy's projection? It's so good. So much is said with so few lines of dialogue. And I guess too with Hank, Hank's view on dating is that it's all about who wins and loses. <laughs> yeah, like, that's also a great line. Uh, so let's talk about the big Texan steak ranch in amarillo texas i think we talked about this on the talking simpsons about maximum homer drive oh and the company man episode too oh it was in that too yeah that's uh that's what holloway orders too yeah they're probably at the same restaurant right it is he takes one bite and he's done right yes yeah (laughs) well uh they really explore that idea in this episode so this is based on that restaurant i mentioned earlier the big texan steak ranch And according to the website, quote, the steak is free to anyone who in one hour or less can eat the entire meal consisting of the steak itself, a bread roll with butter, a baked potato, shrimp cocktail and a salad. Otherwise, the meal costs seventy two dollars. Man, that's a I forgot. It's also the fix ins. Right. Yes. You got to eat. I I mean, uh, 
I when I was thinking of seventy two ounces of beef, uh, I I recently I think the biggest steak I've ever eaten in my life was like a sixteen ounce steak. Over Christmas, I had six ounces of prime rib. Uh, as as uh, my my stepdad makes a nice prime rib, I felt logy after just that. What if you I, ate twelve of them? Isn't that I could yeah. never? I could never. I want to continue this quote oh, though. Yes. Uh, but quote: "Those who have successfully consumed the seventy-two ounce steak challenge have their names recorded and posted at the restaurant to date." Over 10,000 people out of about 70,000 people who attempted the challenge have accomplished this feat. And yes, competitive eating champ Joey Chestnut accomplished it in 8 minutes and 52 seconds, the record for this steak ranch. That, okay, that is insane. He's a monster, Joey Chestnut. I I would assume he had Bobby's uh, reaction at the end of the episode after doing that in 8 minutes. But man, that's wild. 8 minutes for that? That much? Like, I also didn't realize 10,000. That's that's. Far more than I would have guessed. One seventh of the people, and who are all probably <laughs> dead now. Uh, and then, yes, in September of 2021, they announced that they uh, that 10,000 people had officially won the challenge since it began in 1960. So that was the big landmark in 2021. I don't know how accurate those numbers are. That's just what they announced. Uh, hey, I, I'm sure advertising for a steakhouse has to be true, right? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, no lies detected. And you know what, Bobby uh, Hank is like. I thought you were a vegetarian, and I want it rare. This this leads to Bobby's gout oh, in, yes. in season five or six. It's just like, this has to be the tipping point where it's just yes. like, there's too much red meat in you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't. I, I love steaks rare. Like that is how, if I have a steak and, but the rare steak, the bloody steaks, they, they don't like me. It's too, my husband actually likes them well done, but uh, I go like, come on, you're, you're eating this for the blood, aren't you? Like you, that's you why my, my fake burgers bleed. <laughs> I never liked rare steaks. Uh, medium well was my, uh, my jam, but I stopped eating steaks like 20 years ago. So I don't really remember, you know, there's the, the Tim Robinson sketch about sloppy steaks, uh, and pouring water on them. And that's the, the bit in it. Uh, but I don't need, I don't need to pour water on a steak to slop them up. They are, they, a rare steak already pretty wet a very very wet steak no need for the au jus sauce or or gravy or whatever but uh yeah again i even though my mouth is watering as i describe (laughs) steak i can't i really i have i'll eat beef every now and then during the year but it's under 10 times and as for an actual like steak steak like a bloody steak it's that one Christmas steak. That's all I've had in the last three years. That's the only steak I've actually eaten. You're starting a new trend. I thought it was like Christmas ham, Christmas goose. <laughs> you know, they... Give me the biggest steak you can, boy. <laughs> My stepdad likes making prime rib. And you know what? I got to take that back. I had two steaks during that trip because uh, it was only four ounces of a filet mignon uh, bacon wrapped one that I got for free thanks to Bob. A, oh, a right. Steak uh, thanks to Omaha Steaks. Yeah. My, my family really appreciated it, Bob. Excellent. We, we all ate well that night and we th- we thanked Bob Mackey. Well, their, their potatoes were good that I <laughs> that I ate from them. Yeah, the, I'm sure they were. Their, their hot dogs and burgers were fine too, yes. But this isn't an ad for Omaha Steaks. No, no. They're not paying us yet. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a steak montage next. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things are happening here where this giant toilet seat size steak is plopped down in front of Bobby the waitress goes over the rules like you, no one can help you cut uh, chew or cut the meat and you can't get sick before you finish I think you're allowed uh, in the in the steak challenge at the ranch you're allowed to cut into it to make sure it's done enough for you but you can't actually eat it so you're allowed to take like one cut into it uh, okay interesting yeah. and uh, I guess uh, I wonder if they have bathroom rules like that too uh, <laughs> like because obviously 
if you can go to the bathroom, you're some people, I would think if you're trying to beat the challenge, you're up chucking your chuck and yeah. then coming back. You can vomit yeah. every 30 ounces. <laughs> uh, and then we hear in the soundtrack, we hear it dipping into the same sounds and styles as Aaron Copland's rodeo. Uh, Copeland, by the way. I'm, I'm looking at that as if it's the Sylvester Stallone movie. Copland. <laughs> Copland. Aaron Copeland's rodeo, which was using the beef. It's what's for dinner campaign. Oh, yes. right. Uh, let right. me play one of those ads. Tonight in Bay Point, Maine, it's Beef Bourguignon. In Malibu, it's sirloin kebabs. Everybody's eating beef, and guess what? Nobody's dying. Yes. There are no more poison cows. You can eat beef again. It's safe. It was... uh... It was shocking later in life to find out that those commercials were only done as a response to negative press from people dying from bad cow. I think at Free first Ebola? it was yeah. mostly E-coli. Uh, the E. coli right, thing. Right, yeah. And we everybody made jokes about it. There's Simpsons plot lines based on it. Uh, children were killed yeah. by poison burgers. Well, not, I mean, not like maliciously poisoned, but like tainted meat. And uh, yeah, and then there was the mad cow thing. I think they were like, either like happening at the same time or i think the e coli thing happened first but this is like a big recovery for beef and i mean beef farmers too were i think they were also sponsoring that because of oprah as well like she had made some anti-beef stance uh in it though i mean now i've seen uh i don't know if it's as much of a uh culture war talking point as it was a few years ago but like you know beef is being discouraged is even a thing you cook on like cooking channels on on youtube made a point that one of them was epicurious uh, which i i like their videos i i like watching them cook things i've learned a few things about cooking from but they made a point a couple years ago of like all right we're not doing no meat we're still cooking with meat but no more beef it's just beef is so much more their stance was it's so much more wasteful and bad for the environment to farm beef than any other type of meat that they just stopped doing it and i think others followed suit and then of course the culture war response from the right wing was i'm only eating more beef you're saying beef's bad well i'm gonna eat more of it yeah i mean the the show is commenting on this but like uh, steaks are associated with masculinity in a very silly way where it's like well you're not killing the cow. You're not like uh, preparing the meats. I mean, you're not like slicing the the carcass up. You're not in the factory. You're not doing actual work. You're buying a shrink wrap steak from a supermarket yeah. and putting it on your nice grill. It's like you're not a man. You you want to imagine you're Kevin Costner from Yellowstone hunting your own uh, cow or well, I guess slaughtering your own cow that you own on your ranch. But no, you you bought it from a store just like all other food in your house. But you want to think you're a cowboy for sure eating that eating your steak a roommate of mine his his family were hunters and i lived with him for like one year and i believe like one of those uh the, for that one season the entire freezer was just deer meat and he was eating deer meat constantly i think that's now why he's a vegan jesus he's like i don't even man. like this deer meat but it's all free and in my freezer <laughs> uh that's that is a bit much yeah i think uh growing up first time i saw a deer was the carcass of one being dressed in a uh friend of the family's uh, front yard oh was it being like bled out into a bucket no i mean it was like literally being like sliced apart it oh. was a headless deer being uh all right skin off first and now dismember the arms and legs uh it was uh certainly a strong memory look that sweetie <laughs> that, that was the same day i watched return of the jedi for the first time it was a big day for me as a kid wow well wow. <laughs> you saw a lot that day uh you know also I have 
as a Bobby growing up, I had a lot of things tied up in my dad and steak and that my dad would always tell me I was cutting steak the wrong way. And he would, he would, he really got in my head about like, I, I wanted to cut off, you know, I guess according to my dad, the way a, a man is supposed to eat steak is cut off piece, eat piece, cut off piece, eat piece. I liked cutting like three or three to six pieces off at a time and then eating them in a row. And my dad told me that was wrong. Hmm. And he really got in my head about it. There's no wrong way to eat it. Uh, yeah. Peggy says, use all your teeth. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it funny all the ways they think of, of uh, trying to cheer on a boy eating a giant steak? Yeah, this, this montage is very long. Now, Marie is here. Uh, she's not here because Bobby's here. Her parents took her here. And I think Marie is upset because her parents took her to a steakhouse. Yeah, she should be pretty put off by it. Like, and, uh, but yeah, the way, the way Bobby is doing it to like show her or like to, he's doing it to piss her off because she's a vegetarian and here he is eating a ridiculous amount of, of meat. But it's like, I don't know. This is where I think the show gets slightly too mean to Marie because, I mean, she did break his heart, but I thought in the first two acts, they make it pretty clear it's because he imagined a closer relationship than they had. But the way she is trying to bring him down and telling him, like, you're making a fool of yourself, Bobby. Like, she's she's trying to tear him down. I was like, well, she wasn't like that before. Yeah. Like, like, I guess you could try to excuse it as her, like, well, she's also, like, uh, an in-your-face vegetarian who's, you know, exploring this idea for the first time and being maybe a little too uh, aggressive about it. And, and also, I guess, she is also an immature kid who her reaction to a boy doing something to be mean to her is to try to tear him down back. Like they're just being mean to each other back and forth. But I did think it made her a little too mean. Uh, than yeah. she was in the first two acts, they were a little more careful in the first two acts. You're right about that. Uh, but yes, about halfway through, it seems like Bobby has given up, but he stands, pauses and unzips his shorts. So it's like time for more food. <laughs> his gut is distending and it needs a little more space. <laughs> and I guess like there's one last bite. He's got like a, a old West stare down with Marie. Uh, oh, in this, the in this cuts scene. back and forth is yeah. great. Yeah, and then and he still is being funny. It shows that he's got back his sense of humor too. You know, he said he wasn't going to be a prop comic anymore, and now he's decided he is going to be a prop comic again. And even Marie's parents are into Bobby winning, which is a funny <laughs> reveal. Yeah, well, of course, because I this is also Bobby using the culture against her. That mm, like, yeah. you know, everybody's going to root on a boy eating a giant steak uh, over their vegetarian daughter who annoys. Probably they find her annoying. Uh, in, in for the wrong, they are wrong to find her yeah. annoying. I'm, I'm saying, but, uh, yeah. but Bobby's successful. He wanders away from the table uh, and, and he's very bloated. He bows <laughs> to the crowd. We cut uh, Peggy and Hank embracing in a very, again a very chaste way when they, they pull do share away. A little kid. Yeah, it's yeah. just a little peck. But when they pull away from each other, we see Chuck Mangione is eating at a table behind them <laughs> and complaining like, hey, you two, I'm trying to eat. So <laughs> everywhere, even when Peggy and Hank try like the most chaste expressions of love, everyone is shutting them down. <laughs> uh, is this when so Chuck Mangione, is he already living in the Megalomart now? Is this why he's there? Uh, I don't think quite yet. He can okay. still afford to eat at a nice steakhouse. That's true. He's not like <laughs> shitting in the aisles and like eating cereal out of boxes. <laughs> but he hasn't left uh, Ireland just yet he's he's still i guess he can't leave there until he is uh emotionally moves past his, yeah. his near-death experience he's still he's still in treatment here uh, <laughs> but let's hear the finale in our final clip well son the worst part's over and now you'll realize just how silly ah, the couch is gone no 
<laughs> we didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. Hi, Bobby. Oh, hey, Connie. Bobby, are you okay? Uh, me and Marie just broke up. <laughs> You're taking it pretty hard. You must have really liked her a lot. Oh, no. No, I, I just ate a 72-ounce steak dinner in 37 minutes. <laughs> oh, when you finish, you want to come over to my house and watch some television? Doesn't have to be television. <laughs> it's it's a fun joke that uh, Connie is like okay with him being sick because yeah. it's, it's for a different reason than she thought. She's like, oh, okay, and she's not disgusted or turning away. She's actually like waiting for him to finish <laughs> expelling the food and then be like, so yeah, you want to watch TV? Like, <laughs> she just wants to hang out with Bobby again, which is sweet. That's it's cute. I I also like that Hank is about to give a moral to the story, yeah. and then he's like, "Oh my God, the couch!" Like, <laughs> again, I think they realize that Hank already did the story of helping somebody younger with a breakup, so they're like, "He doesn't need to do this again." <laughs> so this did unearth one last childhood memory of my, a teen memory of mine hmm. as well. I, I maybe I think I've told you this story before, but just uh, for newer listeners. I never ate a giant steak, but in my teens, I believe I was about 18 or 19, one time I ate five Arby sandwiches in front of friends. And five for five? I did the five for five, and I was like, no, I think I can do this, so I ate it. And then friends were like, oh my God, you ate five. Do you think you could do 10? And it turned into a series of escalating dares oh. until I accepted, like, fine, was I'll try to do 10. The jackass era of friendships? This was in the jackass okay. era, yeah. So I was challenged to do 10. I didn't say I can definitely do 10, but I the peer pressure got to me. We actually went to an Arby's. Uh, they wanted to do this, like, and also to make this the jackass era, somebody had a camera and was filming it, too. Oh, my but God. The, the, I, the footage is probably lost, but I, yes. I hope so. Jesus Christ. So those five go kind of fast. And so these were regular Arby's, not beef and cheddars, just a regular Arby sandwich. First five go fast. Next three go really slow. I am halfway. Oh, eight. I'm halfway through the ninth, and then I just have to tap out. I'm like, because they're they're also saying, I also can't go to the bathroom. It's like you gotta sit here, uh. and I'm just drinking so much water because it is all pure salt. I eventually just have to go. Like guys, I can't take another bite. We get out of the restaurant. I think that we can drive back fine. We drive for one minute, and I say, stop the car right now. And I puke in a parking lot oh. and it's all out. So I, I did have, I got to give it to Bobby for, he kept it in much longer than I did in a similar situation. And uh, so, uh, wait a minute. Uh, how long did it take you to recover from that? I'd, I'd be uh, like bedridden for three days. I think, I think by the next evening I was eating normally, okay. but uh, yeah, Damn. it was, it was too many. I mean, they should have taken jackass off the air. <laughs> it did this to us. Yeah. I don't think we would have. We wouldn't have tried to film it anyway if it hadn't been for that. I uh, actually, I'm now remembering my friend. You'll like this. My my friend with limited video editing experience. Then in this is the early aughts. Edited it with punch out music. And, oh my god! And every round, every uh sandwich was another round this is going to be on our exclusive like five thousand dollar tier <laughs> the i'll share it. you can't disseminate it though Look, it'll I, it'll be like them when they screen the day the clown cried 
we'll just have a private theater. No, I'm, I'm looking this up now. Uh, and an Arby's roast beef sandwich has three ounces of roast beef. So you ate uh, 27 ounces of roast beef. Wow. That... And then probably like, I don't know, 30 ounces of bread or something yes, like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not have any uh, any sides with it, though. But yeah, so, okay. It's good to see that in. I didn't even eat half of the beef that uh, amounted to the steak Bobby ate. But still, that, yeah, I... I want to say I've never had a regular Arby's sandwich again after that. I don't think I hmm. did. I grew up eating a lot of Arby's because I grew yeah. up in the town where Arby's began. <laughs> I Look, I've had a lot of sandwiches, but I, I've eaten a lot of bad food since then. But Arby's sandwiches, I think that was a bit much for me. <laughs> so, yes, that's I have gone through a similar thing like this as Bobby did. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. And also at the end, we're getting uh, the sparks of romance between Connie and Bobby uh, that they were kind of feeling their way around in earlier episodes. But here it's really beginning it's picking up it's a real and project for season three i think absolutely four, yeah and th- again we have to remind people this is when primetime animated shows did not have continuity now all the animated shows have too much continuity and i can't stand it <laughs> and I, I don't i don't think i was going to watch velma and we're talking about this as velma is just coming on the tv or whatever you want to call it on streaming and i'm it's like oh this is serialized too like everything can things be episodic again please yeah it's uh it's isn't it nice that like a new show like smiling friends is episodic yeah like, yeah uh, i oh what's the big mystery <laughs> yeah no you y- you have to blame blame streaming culture and binging it's that they expect people to watch a whole season in one sitting or multiple seasons in one sitting. So they figure like, well, then you need an overarching narrative. I mean, we were just talking about how uh, me and you about how Netflix like fucks things up with mystery science theater, for instance. And the algorithm tells them you have to have an overarching thing to keep people to watch the next episode to keep it streaming. And that like ruins it. It has ruined a lot of shows. Like I, I feel like disenchantment for instance, would be a lot better show yes. if they didn't have to have the Netflix mandated uh, giant story arc. Some of the best episodes of that show were early on when they could do a few episodic ones and then yeah. they just, they couldn't do it anymore. And even at this point in time in 98 or 98 right now in the yeah. show, show yeah fox was very resistant against you know any continuity in this show because it was like they wanted to sell in this indication it's just like why is luann's hair short here why is bobby dating henry uh bobby dating connie in this episode and not in the other one why is nancy no longer with john redcorn there are all these things that they changed throughout the series to make it more syndication friendly and i think that's why that al Jean like corrected all the continuity changes yeah, in the simpsons yeah. it's like let's make this a more reviewable friendly show rerunnable yeah. friendly show yeah it, it's funny in both of those cases as we talk about it affecting the art that's just commerce it's like the way oh how is how does the money makers make the most money off of it it affects the show or at least what businessmen think makes the most money is what happens like now we're in the era of every show gets canceled after the two weeks after it debuts nothing is ever renewed canceled or like we made a second season but it's being thrown in the fire uh the the tax code says it's better if you never see this so we're just throwing it away and hey i'm not trying to be cruel here but it's uh interesting to know that i thought i was alone in having all of my work deleted after i did it but now (laughs) even tv people are having it done movie people it's not just people that write internet articles articles uh, it's legitimate entertainment that's being deleted uh 
you know, I, I guess that also shows that we were just at the forefront of it. And now the bosses of old websites are now the bosses of the media uh, conglomerations uh, and in charge of the streamers. It's it's uh, it's fucked up. It's a crappy time. It really is. Yeah. Uh, be independent. Go on Patreon if you can. <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode deserved to win an Emmy. I wanted to go over the other episodes that could have won the Emmy. Okay. Uh, so not last year, but the previous two years, King of the Hill was nominated but did not win. So season one, uh, Square Peg, that's the sex ed episode. That was nominated, did not win. And then in the second season, Texas City Twister nominated, did not win. I would not have chosen that one. Uh, maybe I would have chosen the uh, the Gary Krasner episode, the Christmas one. Very, very touching and oh, funny, yeah. too. Yeah, this is the one that won. I'm looking at the other years here. One I think really should have won is uh, in 2001, the, uh, Chasing Bobby was nominated. That's one of my favorite episodes. It's the one where Hank is sad about his truck dying. Yeah, I love I love it. But it's also about his son. Yes, uh, as father-son ones uh, with an emotionally stunted father, that one always gets me too, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, following that, Bobby Goes Nuts nominated. Hilarious. That was not the episode to pick to nominate. <laughs> I think they're just playing a joke on the Academy. Like, you're not going to make us win. Let's put the most offensive episode, the, the nut-kicking episode. Uh, following that, they nominated uh, Death Picks Cotton, where Cotton Hill dies. Uh, really great episode Amazing of the show. character death episode also you think has got a good chance. But, but no, nope, nope, did no. not win. And that's the history of the King of the Hill not winning Emmys. That's too bad, man. It's, it's always... Usually, uh, it used to just be Simpsons, and then it becomes Simpsons or South Park is killing them. But uh, we—I mean, we've had literal like friends who make t- uh, <laughs> who make television shows that always lose to The Simpsons as mm-hmm. well. It's it's really too bad. It's not fair. But yes, yeah. great episode. And another programming note to remind you: next time we are not covering Peggy's headache. We covered that uh, five years ago. There'll be a link to it in the uh, description of the next episode, which is Pregnant Pause, and we'll see you next month for Pregnant Pause. Thanks a lot. I don't know, Dale. No, I didn't see a thing. I bet the city just hauled it away. I know, Dale. I I know. I I miss it too. Maybe it's all for the best. You know, we we were starting to depend on that couch too much. <laughs> yeah, it's probably all for the best. <laughs>